And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fresh Fit Podcast. We got a bonus Money Monday episode for you guys. We got George Gavin in the house, man. It's going to be lit. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Reserve currency, cryptocurrency, yep. the Fed, and a bunch of other things that you guys need to be aware of. Let's get into it, baby. Money Tuesday. Let's go. We are back. And we are back. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fresh Fit Podcast. Regular edition. We're here with George Gammon, guys. We got a bonus episode for you guys today as far as Money Monday goes. I'm really excited about this. I spoke with George, I think, about a week, week and a half ago where you were coming to like town. That. And he was like, hey, I'm going to be here. Uh, and I was like, all right, let's fucking do it. We got a lot to talk about anyway, man. So <laughs> quick uh, announcement, guys. Patreon.com slash Fresh Fit. Check us out over there. We just posted a Frank Castle of uh, a girl that pretty red, much got mad and the triggered The red and dress out. girl. Yeah, from the, last night's show. At the last minute, too. I was stupid. Yeah, she was stupid. You should have seen yeah. her face. She was like, mm. Yeah, she was mad. Uh, Why come you come at us? Yeah. My <laughs> feelings. Funny, my feelings. This conversation, girl. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just goes to show that girls really do begin triggered, bro, off anything. But anyway, check us out over there. Patreon.com slash Fresh Fit. Also, get us on Spotify, Google, and our podcast. Every single platform. You guys listen to podcasts. Where? And we also posted the Yacht Party with minorities on there, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. On yeah. Patreon? Yeah. Well, oh. not the X-rated part, the regular part. Okay, on, I on got to edit out a lot of titty, behind, titties, behind the scenes stuff. Titties out of that one. Oh, uh, okay. You could have put on. Okay, never mind. I won't <laughs> even get into it. Uh, so, yeah, guys. Uh, and then, Chris, how often are we posting on here now? Uh, about anchor. four times a week. All right, about yep. four times a week, guys, yep. now. So, you guys are going to get it pretty much Monday through Friday. So, and um, I uploaded an episode last night to so Spotify, uh, by the way. Nice. Awesome. So, so, guys, check us out over there. Click the anchor link below. Anchor that anchor, FM slash Fresh Fit. Yeah. <laughs> George is like, what's going on here? <laughs> By the way, yesterday was Chris's birthday, and uh, we went to a uh, club with him. He had a great time, so shout out to Chris, man. Yeah, he had a great uh, time. I was pissed. Happy birthday, Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hey, thanks, 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 thanks. <laughs> oh, well, I texted him, but it, uh, you were asleep. You could have came on the bus with us. We had like 20 girls in there. Hey, yeah, man. Like 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like set up the logistics for tomorrow. I know he's probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing texting me at 1 a.m. Listen, man. Uh, so, oh, um, man. I was more looking forward to this than the fucking club. But anyway, uh, also, guys, check us out. FreshFitPodcast.com. Get the hoodies, m- merch, all that. Oh, we got new t-shirt concepts coming. Chris is actually in the process right now of making some new concepts for y'all. Yep. Um, Clown World. Clown World. Uh, what else? My feel- um, Fuck Your Feelings. We got a bunch of different uh, new designs coming, so stay tuned to that. Also, check us out on Fresh Fit Clips, guys. On that channel, we post two clips per day. And uh, yeah, there's somewhere between two to ten minute clips on there. And then also check out our Fresh Fit Shorts. All those videos are 60 seconds or less. We need more subscribers on there, man. So go check that one out, guys, because mm-hmm. those are like TikToks. And then uh, Fresh has a vlog channel. Guys, for behind the scenes, check out the vlog channel. Uh, we do live streams as well, coming very soon. And also we did a 
party for Christmas for his birthday. It's all on the vlog channel. Check it out. Mine even showed up to the club. They dragged me there. Well, no. They dragged me there. <laughs> and uh, we had a party bus, a penthouse party, and then the club it was crazy. Shout out to Chris for his birthday. Um, hey. I mean, late, late at night, you can, you can understand what he was saying because he was drunk. But yeah, I was lit. It's still like a lot of fun. So check it out. Yeah. And then um, also, guys, check out my other YouTube channel. It's called Fed1811 on there. I break down cases. Uh, I did the YSL case, guys, and getting a lot of uh, love on it. It's like well over 200,000 views right now. That channel's only like 52K subs. So, yeah. you know, the people have spoken. You guys really enjoyed it. And uh, it's very thorough. I don't, I've, I've not seen anyone else break down that YSL case to the degree that I did. I played the song lyrics on there for you guys, potentially getting hit with copyright, and uh, lyrics, all that who, that they're who, using um, as evidence. Reach out to you. Oh, <laughs> a certain certain news organization reached out. They want to do an interview. I'm, I'm still thinking if I want to do Just it. Just do it, man. It's uh, it's for, if I do it, it'll be only because Walt wants me to do it. But I was, was going to say no. <laughs> Listen, we'll man. It's all for the podcast. Yeah. I, I, I just thought of a plan for, for the podcast. You could go to do an interview. Yeah, that's facts. Yeah. 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 That's why you're wearing the sweatshirt today. Yeah. That's a big uh, deal for you. Yeah. <laughs> we're merch today, too. Uh, <laughs> he knows. Fair enough. Uh, but today's not about me. It's not about the you know the news, art, news so, either. So we're here George. with George fucking Gammon, baby. The legend George, himself. Yes. Uh, George, welcome to the show, man. We're excited to have you back here. You were here, what, like maybe a month and a half ago, two months ago, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... Um, can you give the people, we know who you are, we watch your content, but can you introduce yourself to the people so they know who you are? Yeah, I've got a channel on macroeconomics, is the one's just George Gammon, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of whiteboard videos like yep. this. Yep. We got the whiteboard out too, yeah. guys. <laughs> Listen, man, live yeah. in color. Live in color, baby. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. See, there you go. Yeah, where we just discuss things like the Fed and quantitative easing and a lot of the stuff that you hear in the news if you watch CNBC, like the Jerome Powell raising interest rates and how that's affecting the stock market, if they're going to do quantitative tightening, and are they raising by 25 basis points or 50 basis points? And lately, uh, the Japanese yen has been crashing Mm. against the dollar. Okay. And probably a lot of your audience have heard in the news that we have super high rates of inflation, CPI. Yeah. Uh, The price of goods and services is really going up. And that's just uh, that's not just in the United States. It's also in Japan. That's in Europe, uh, especially the UK. We know about the food shortages. We know about energy shortages, the prices of uh, natural gas and oil. Therefore, the gasoline that people pay at the pump is just going parabolic. And uh, we talk about all that stuff and and more. Yeah, man, it's wow. a doomsday coming soon. I see. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so so what do you think as far as like? The way things are right now with the war and all the things you just mentioned, you know, uh, where do you see we're headed here in the next? Yeah, I think the last time we were on, we discussed how there could be a lot of headwinds for the stock market. Yeah. Because we have this very high rate of inflation, the Fed, usually what they do is they try to raise interest rates to slow down the economy. And that usually brings down the rate of inflation. At least that's the the theory, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The problem that we have right now is we have all this debt. So we have sovereign debt, which is the government, you know, how much they owe all those people that they've issued treasuries to or that have bought the treasuries. Can you work how that, can you explain to the people how that uh, works just so they kind of see when, so when they know when they say, oh, well, the government's a debt. I don't think a lot of people understand what they mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is the revenue, if you look at the government like a business, yeah, their revenue is just generated through taxes. Okay. That's the only way they collect revenue, really. Right. So okay. if they spend money in addition to what they collect in taxes, yeah. they've got to borrow the money to spend it. Mm-hmm. So the way they borrow money is they issue treasuries, okay. just like a corporation would issue bonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to borrow the money. So, so what's a treasury? So treasury is just a bond 
that's mm-hmm. issued by the government. So that's the government. Let's say um, they issue a 10-year treasury okay. and, and you buy the treasury. They're giving that to you. So it's your asset and it's their liability. They're saying, we're going to pay you a certain amount of interest over the next uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to make payments to you. And uh, you agree on that. So you're like, yes, I'll loan the government a million dollars. But something. aren't just, they the ones giving themselves the bonds? Or uh, No, they're selling them. So l- let's say that you're the government okay. and okay. that you're someone that's buying the treasury. Okay. Uh, so you would say, okay, uh, uh, Fresh, I need a million dollar loan. Okay. And then he says, okay, I'll give you the million dollars. Mm-hmm. So he gives you the million dollars. He's a and, private citizen or a private entity? Yeah. Okay. It, and, and you give him an IOU. Okay. So that IOU would be a bond. Okay. And if the government gives an IOU, that's, we call it a treasury. Okay. okay. Mm. So it's a it's an IOU. I think that'll be a lot easier for the and we have audience to understand. So many IOUs. Well, right now we have about thirty trillion dollars in IOUs. IOUs. <laughs> there you go. A trillion, trillion. And there you go, guys. That's why I'm glad we got George Gavin here to, to you know explain it for you for you guys. Yeah, so facts. what happens is a lot of those uh, IOUs are short term. So we were talking about a loan for ten years, but if you lent if you lent uh, fit money for just uh let's say six months Mm -hmm. he would have to pay that back in a very short period of time whereas if you lent him the money for 30 years at a specified interest rate then he wouldn't have to worry too much about what uh interest rates do over the next six months right so the position the government's in right now is about let's say 10 or 12 trillion maybe Mm -hmm. even more now of that 30 trillion it matures in the next year Oh. So it's very short-term in maturity. Okay. Okay. So what happens... So if, the loan term comes to an end. Right. They have to pay you back. Okay. So what happens if interest rates go up, then they don't have the money to pay you back. So they've got to borrow more, more money just to pay the people back. Yeah. Right? Now, they call course, it rolling over the debt. And if they do that at a higher interest rate, then that makes the debt burden even harder to handle. Gotcha. So like if like you can imagine if you had uh, a mortgage payment yeah. for $2,000. Yeah. And let's say that was at a 3% a small interest house, rate. But yeah. <laughs> let's say it was a 3% interest rate. Yeah. Well, if interest rates go up to 10%, yeah. now all of a sudden your mortgage payment is going to go from $2,000 up to, who knows, let's say $4,000. Yeah. So that's going to make that debt you owe a, a much higher burden from your monthly income. Yeah. And it's the exact same with the government. Okay. So my, my point there is with the government having these huge debts, yeah, it, it, it makes it uh, very difficult for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. Okay. It's the same thing with corporations. Their debt is at all time highs. And the same thing with consumers. Mm-hmm. We have consumer debt at all time highs. Yeah. So the economy is very, uh, not only fragile, but it's very susceptible to higher interest rates. Okay. And so what the Fed is trying to do right now is they're just trying to, it's this balancing act where, yes, we need to bring down the rate of inflation by increasing interest rates, but we can't do it too quickly or else we're going to break something. And if we break something, then that could be far worse than the inflation that we're trying to cure. Okay. And so, you know, they did this back in 1981. Uh, for those of uh, your your viewers who uh, have studied economics at all, they know a guy named Paul Volcker. Okay. He was the Fed chair at the time. He was very famous for breaking the back of inflation, you know, the 1970s inflationary decade. So he came in and he raised interest rates almost up to 19%. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. On, on, on just like buying things or on home loans or what kind what was he raised interest rates? So that was the overnight rate that the Federal Reserve set. So all interest rates, so basically mortgage rates mm -hmm. would be 19% what? plus whatever. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Could you imagine trying to get a house at 19% interest rate? Bro, people bro. are losing their minds right now at 6%. Sound the alarm, bro. It's what the hell? Home, yeah, it's not just home loans. It yeah. would be cor all the money that's going to corporations. It would be credit card debt. It would be auto loans. Car loans, too? Yeah, absolutely. Yo. I was a buy here, pay here. God damn, they're finessing you. Uh, loan so, sharks. George, quick question, just going back to what you're saying so we, I can make sure that we understand this audience as well. Um, so we borrowed this money. So we owe we basically have a bunch of IOUs. Who did we borrow the money from predominantly? Are we talking about China? Did we borrow from private companies? Did we borrow it from uh, other countries besides China? Yeah, all of the above. Okay. And private citizens. And private citizens. So you have uh, what I call non-bank entities okay. in the United States and outside. Just that, just people, ordinary okay. investors, so retail investors. What I'm getting, George, is that like the government will never be able to pay it back at this rate. Oh, no, 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 no chance they can pay it back. But it, it, they don't really have to pay it back. They just have to keep it to a level that's serviceable. Mm. And so the United States is in a position of having the global reserve currency, which allows us to create a lot more dollars than the domestic economy actually needs. And this is a huge benefit because if another country created as many dollars as we do out of thin air, their currency would depreciate very, very quickly. And their, the, the, the price of those treasuries would go down, the yield would go up, so it would restrict government spending. So we can get away with a lot more of that government deficit spending mm -hmm. than other countries can. So, so, so two things, George, real fast, so the people, audience understands. So uh, can you break down what the reserve currency is? Because I think that's very important for the audience to know that the United States is the reserve currency and what that means specifically. And then... Uh, and then you said deficit spending, yeah, which is basically so deficit. When the yeah. government runs a deficit, that yeah. means it's just spending more than it's collecting in, in taxes. Yeah. So let's go back to 2020. That's a good example. Which is why we get do the, all the IOUs, I guess, because we're yeah, not able to exactly. generate enough through taxes. So, so like, hey, China, give me money. Hey, you private investor, give me money. Et yeah. So let's just say that that your monthly expenses were ten thousand dollars. Okay. And let's say one month your income was only five thousand. Okay. So you would have to you would have a five thousand dollar deficit. Right. So you'd have to go borrow five thousand dollars just to pay your bills. Yep. And then th there you would owe someone five thousand yeah. dollars that you would have to pay them back at a future date. Bam. Okay. So the, that's the same position the government's in right now, except for they owe people 30 trillion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, tax revenue is about maybe three trillion a mm. year. Uh, so so that, that's a, a very, very large deficit. My point is, if we didn't have the global reserve currency, yes. they would not be able to run that high of a deficit. It would be like Venezuela mm. probably, right? Well, it, 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 more like Argentina okay. probably, okay. where the currency would really go down uh, significantly and that would increase the inflation rate because we're importing so many goods from other countries. So okay. the price of those goods goes up and then it really, uh, really destroys the economy. It lowers the standard of living. We boot out all the politicians mm -hmm. and they don't want that. So it, it constrains the government. And also what happens is the people buying those bonds, if there's a significant amount of inflation, then they demand a higher interest rate. So that makes the burden on the government even larger for the existing debt they have. So it's really this uh, free market system yeah. that constrains most governments, but it does not constrain the United States, at least to the same degree. Bam. So the and it's because we have that reserve currency status. And can, right. real quick, can you tell them what the reserve currency status sure. is? 
Yeah. So what happens is global trade, at least probably let's say 60 to 70 percent, is denominated in dollars. So let's just say that you're China. Okay. And I'm uh, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Well, you need to buy oil mm -hmm. from me, but we're going to settle that transaction in dollars, even mm -hmm. though it does not involve the United States at all. Yeah. So, so you have to buy the I have to buy the oil from you, even though I'm China, love you a long time, and you're Haram over there in Saudi Arabia, and yeah. you're signing yeah, racist jokes coming. Yeah. I'm Arab too, assholes. <laughs> uh and you know, I want to buy oil from you. I have to go ahead and take my uh what does China use? They use um yuan. Yuan. Yeah. I have to use Chinese yuan and convert it to US dollars to buy oil from you. Yeah, or Saudi you have Arabia. to have dollar cash flow. Bam. Okay. So this is why China, you know, their uh exports to the United States are so important because we're paying for those exports in dollars. So then okay. they take those dollars oh. and they can use those dollars to, to buy, buy food, to buy fertilizer, to buy commodities, to buy oil, natural gas. Oh, so they have to use dollars for food and everything else too. It's not just oil. Almost all commodities are denominated in dollars. Oh, I, I knew I knew oil was, and I knew that's you know where the petrodollar originates from, but yeah. I didn't realize for everything else too. So yeah, most, all the countries. Yeah, and even and not just commodities, a, a lot of the stuff that corporations buy from each other, mm -hmm. even if it doesn't involve the United States at all, mm -hmm. it's going to settle in dollars. Gotcha. So that's why the dollar is really two completely separate currencies. It's a domestic currency, and then it's also a global currency. Okay. So what happens is when we print too many dollars in the United States. A lot of times those dollars leave the United States and go into the global system mm -hmm. and they just get sucked up by the global system because there's so much demand for those dollars mm -hmm. because of global economic activity outside the United States. But if we didn't have all that demand for dollars because they're being used to such a great degree outside the United States, those dollars would continue to circulate in the United States chasing goods and services and that would mean the price of the stuff would go up a lot faster than it otherwise would. Even though now, you know, the CPI is at 8.2 or 3%. And you guys... What's I'm CPI sure, stand for? The Consumer Price Index. Okay. So that just means the government's measurement of how fast prices are increasing for the stuff that you guys buy daily. Bam, okay. And I'm sure you've noticed it, whether it's... Uh, uh, you know, Gas, bottle milk. service. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <Fresh. laughs> just think of but, but, or, his bottle service. Going but even up. if it's for the transport, I mean, you're talking about doing a party last night. Yeah, with the transport company, mm -hmm. I'll bet you they're charging a lot more, a lot now more than they were in 2019. Mm -hmm. Or you go down to Whole Foods. I guarantee you that's going to be more expensive. The rent that you're paying, that's going to be more expensive. Even the food. Like, uh, Absolutely. I, went, I went to subs, subs on a run uh, recently with, with some friends. Oh, and that's a good spot. They're like, yeah, we're raising prices, prices because, um, you know, the material is hard to get. And also uh, the food is harder to get as well. I was like, oh, shit. By like, by like two bucks more. It's not a lot more, but it's like it's yeah. more money. Yeah, yeah, but see where that really hits people yeah. is usually the rate of inflation or the rate that goods and services are increasing in price mm -hmm. exceeds the level that wages go up. Bam. Okay. That's so key. What we so if you look at, at what we call real wage growth, and that's just the level of incomes or wages adjusted for the rate of inflation, we actually have negative real wage growth so people's purchasing power never especially with the poor and middle class yeah. is decreasing significantly and that's one of the problems when you, the government sends out stimmy checks or ppp you know it, initially it sounds great well we're helping people because they can't afford x y and z it's because, temporary 
yeah, it, we're you know, well, because we're locking them in a cage, basically. So we'll just go ahead and subsidize it with uh, this quote unquote free money. But what they don't realize is that creates this inflationary spiral that we're living in right now. Mm. So instead of helping the poor and middle class after a year or two years on net balance, it hurts them. So I have a question. It costs money to print money, right? No. Uh, no? So there's no cost at all? No. So my thing is then, okay, if there's no cost to print money. Well, the, the, there's a cost in the sense that people's purchasing power goes down, therefore their standard of living, because the, remember the wages don't go up at the same rate. Mm -hmm. So someone's going to pay. But as far as, is, is uh, like, does the Federal Reserve have to actually, do they have an expense to yeah. actually create dollars? No, they don't. So my thing is then, okay, if that's the case, when do you think the dollar is going to be like gone and only like digital currency is going to be a thing? Yeah, so that's a great question. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it'll still be denominated in dollars, but I do think that we're moving faster and faster and faster mm -hmm. towards a central bank digital currency, or we call it a CBDC. Mm, which we're going to talk about that today as well, guys. So don't yeah. worry. Yeah, I actually did a presentation uh, on this a couple weekends ago. And you've got to go all the way back to about 1513, the year. Damn. And a guy by the name of Machiavelli. You guys ever heard that? Yeah. I use the term Machiavellian. Yeah. Mm. And so uh, Niccolo, I think his name was Niccolo Machiavelli. He was someone that wrote a book called The Prince. And this was a revolutionary book from the standpoint it articulated how politicians could maintain, keep, and gain more power. And control? Yeah. Because back then, everyone thought, you know, it was kind of just implied that a good leader or a good king or president or whatever they called them back then, uh, they would have integrity. And they would keep their word. And this is how what a good king would do. Mm -hmm. But he came out and said, listen, guys, we're, you, you know, we're all lying to each other here. You know, this is a bunch of BS. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a 90 page book that said, here's how you really stay in power. Mm -hmm. And it's basically doing the opposite. So if you guys have heard the phrase, uh, the end justifies the, the means, means. Yes. Right. That came from Machiavelli. Okay. Oh, wow. That came okay. from the, the, Didn't the, know that. The, his book, The Prince. Right. So basically, it, the, the whole idea was in order to do good or in order to maintain your power, you have to be bad. You have to be morally bankrupt. Mm. And he just came out and said it. And that's why it was such a revolutionary book. Mm. And uh, if you kind of fast forward through the centuries, you see that this book had a massive impact on global leaders, uh, such as Stalin, mm -hmm. uh, such as Hitler. Yep. In fact, uh, John Gotti, uh, the mafia boss yep. here in the United I States, talked about him the other would, night. would always reference uh, the prince by Machiavelli. Mm -hmm. And then you fast forward uh, even further and you come to a guy by the name of Henry Kissinger. Mm -hmm. So I, you guys have probably heard of Henry Kissinger. Mm -hmm. He was someone that was wildly influential. In fact, he was the one that got us on the petrodollar back in the early 1970s. Okay, because I was actually going to ask about... That was about... his brainchild, so uh, to speak. And he was the one that kind of uh, made it happen from an execution standpoint. I'll let you finish this, then we'll talk about the petrodollar and then reserve. Have you heard two. of uh, Adam Weinstock? No. Okay. Because it's, it's not Illuminati, but like there was a guy back in the day, I think it was like the 16s or 1700s, where like he started like this community of people that wanted to control the world basically. And what happened was that is that like they came together and they they kind of like they had a master plan saying, hey, at some level, we have to control the, the government, you know, the police, you know, certain high 
profile um ent- entities and then have it under have it under one dollar basically no. yeah global global currency yeah basically yeah, so, and, and global government and yeah. and uh it's about machiavellian oh so yeah would actually would, would would argue for both i think mm-hmm. he's gone on record many times for arguing for both so uh, back in what's interesting in 1967 uh, kissinger was teaching a seminar at harvard okay and he had one student in particular that was very uh influenced by these seminars uh, the guy's name was klaus schwab okay i don't know if you guys have heard of klaus schwab the great reset agenda mm. and mm. this is something that's in the news a lot lately and so uh klaus schwab started something called the world economic forum in 1971. And it was really a result of uh, this uh, influence by Kissinger. And so another thing that influenced uh, Klaus and many of these other people, these politicians, was uh, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Malthus, right? So Thomas Malthus was the first person that really articulated back in the 1800s, that if we have exponential population growth in a world with limited resources, Mm -hmm. that's going to cause big, big problems. Yeah, of course. So this is something that the, the the global elite believed to be true, okay? So uh, going back to Kissinger, and I'm going to connect all these dots yeah, here. Sure. Uh, going back to Kissinger, he uh, adamantly believed, in fact, he was quoted many times as saying, uh, if you control the food, mm. you control the population. Yeah. Mm. If you control energy, you control countries. Mm. If you control money, you control the world. The world. Mm. Yeah, you see, so uh, you have all these influences on the politicians that we have today. Mm-hmm. It started with Machiavelli, and then they were influenced heavily by Thomas Malthus. Okay, and now they're influenced by the World Economic Forum, and they take advantage of these things. So, if you break down kind of what their three objectives are, mm-hmm. it's actually very fairly simple. Yeah, because of this approach and this uh, Malthusian view, they want to decrease the amount of energy use for people for people around the globe mm-hmm. uh they want to they want us to use fewer resources solar uh well they want us to use less mm. and we can get into that in a moment they also want to decrease the birth rate you mm. see uh bill gates even on his youtube channel Depopulation. he talks about mm-hmm. how that's a big problem if the uh, population goes from 7 billion up to 9 billion and so then lastly they want to just usurp power control and wealth this is pretty much their game plan so if you look at everything through that lens it starts to make a lot more sense we fast forward today or to today and we say okay well if we have an economic crisis um what does that allow them to do well if we have an economic crisis it allows them to present americans and other people throughout the globe with a digital currency why because uh, last time we sent out the stimmy checks it was very cumbersome. We had to send it through the mail yeah. and people didn't get it. And, you know, what were they spending it on? So the government had some sort of control over the money supply, but not to the degree to which they would if we had a central bank digital currency. So mm-hmm. I think in the future, the next uh, financial crisis we have, the next recession, depression, I think they're going just to have they're going to have everyone just download the Fed app. <laughs> and that's going to be the first step. And that's going to instigate this uh, central bank digital currency, which is going to give them ultimate control over the money supply, which is what Kissinger was talking about in the early 1970s, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of the genesis of the petrodollar to begin with. So 
NWO. Um, man, that was that that right there, Brett. That break. Damn, up. son, where'd you find this? So we talked about the the reserve U.S. having the reserve currency status, and to me, it sounds like the fact that we're able to do what we're doing without literally having our economy destroyed is because we have reserve currency status. Now, as far as the petrodollar, I guess would it the petrodollar be a, just a component of being that reserve currency status? Yeah, absolutely. Can you because, break that down for them real quick? Sure. So what the petrodollar really is us telling OPEC which are the oil producing nations for the most part mm -hmm. that you have to denominate your oil in dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates all or a lot of this dollar demand outside of the United States, outside of the food. If you could just wave the magic wand and all of a sudden all the oil and all the commodities were priced in yuan or mm. in euros or yen, or we'd something be in a like lot that. of trouble. Well, all those dollars would come flooding back to the United States. Yeah. And our CPI, you know, you think that inflation is high now. Yeah. I mean, it, the prices would be doubling probably every six months. Or, wow. I mean, it would be that bad. Oh, it'd be it would be something that we have never seen or even thought possible here in the United States. So this is pretty profound to me. So, so basically, from what we're discussing here and correct me if I'm wrong here, please, George, you're the expert. Uh, the only reason the United States is afloat right here, right now, with the amount of debt that we have is because we have the reserve currency status and we have the petrodollar, which pretty much forces the entire world of that. Yeah, to, as a component of the reserve currency, it, it, which forces the entire world to do business and trade internationally, whether the United States is involved in a transaction or not, in U.S. dollars. Yeah, so let wow. me give okay. another example yeah. that, that might uh, break it down for you guys. Let's just say that, uh, that again, your monthly nut was your monthly expenses are ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and uh, you are, are making five thousand dollars a month. So every single month, you got to come up with an additional five thousand dollars that you have to borrow mm -hmm. from from Fresh. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, what happens is uh, Fresh continues to give you this money, continue to give this money, and then you are issuing him these these treasuries. Yep, the IOUs. The IOUs. That's yeah. right. And so it, when uh, he is giving you this money or if the banks are giving the money or if the Fed, I, mean, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but if the okay. Fed is actually buying some of the treasuries, then they're creating new additional dollars and, and new money supply. Mm -hmm. So it, those dollars now have a place to go outside the United States, like we were saying earlier. Yeah. But if, uh, if there's no use or no demand for those dollars outside the United States, then those dollars are going to come back to the United States because the Chinese can't use them. Yeah. You know, the Argentinians can't use Russians them. Russians can't use them. The well, Russians they're not using them now anyway, them. right? Right. <laughs> so they're like, well, we're going to trade in these dollars that we have for U.S. assets. We're going to buy U.S. homes. We're going to... So all those dollars come back in and start circulating mm -hmm. in the U.S. economy chasing the same amount of goods and services. And that's, Bam. it's just pretty much you know, simple. If you One have more question. dollars chasing those goods and services, the price goes up. One last question before, and I'll re and guys, don't worry. I'll read super chats here in a second. I just this is uh, awesome stuff, man. I really, I really hope you guys are enjoying this content. Um, do you foresee that we're going to lose reserve currency status? Yeah, in it, it's inevitable okay. uh, because the countries always lose reserve. I mean, the who was it before us? The pound sterling. The pound sterling was, which yeah. is uh, the England. Yeah, the but it takes England. a long time. Okay. So you just see it gradually starting to deteriorate. So I wouldn't say that we're going to lose reserve status in the next year or two years, but mm -hmm. it's going to happen 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, you think in our lifetime? Oh, yeah. It'll it's... happen in our lifetime. Oh, wow. But, but it, it happens very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And how does it happen? By other 
countries starting to do less and less business in dollars. Therefore, that demand goes down just slightly, gradually. But at a certain point, it goes down so much that they're using other currencies a lot more. Who's the runner-up? Uh, well, right now, there's no one. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no one to really replace the dollar. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it uh, it can't continue to deteriorate as far as a percentage of okay. global transactions. Gotcha. You know, let's okay. say we're at 70% right now. And it just came out in the news that Saudi Arabia is starting to settle some of their transactions with China in yuan. Oh, shit. So now that doesn't mean that we go from 70% of transactions globally being settled in dollars down to 30, mm -hmm. which would make a huge impact. Of course. But just means that we go from 70, let's say down to 67, 68% yeah. or something like that. So it, it doesn't really move the needle. And especially when you have a war. Uh, with with Russia Ukraine that's impacting it as well right yeah because the dollar is the reserve currency then that uh, people want to buy dollars mm -hmm. and therefore it makes the dollar actually go up in value so right now the dollar is higher in value against other currencies yeah or it's it, it's the highest level relative to other currencies that it's been in the last uh I would say since 2002 2004 mm. and I was talking about like this the, uh, the other day I said hey like even though I know we're not Inflation is here and everything and everything is this doomsday. The United States is still better off than a lot of other countries as far as like our our dollar power compared to other countries. Yeah, what's what's really tough to get your head around, and I think it's easiest if you look at the dollar as two completely separate currencies, is outside of the United States, the dollar is measured against the yen or measured against euro. So it's mm -hmm. just measured against another fiat currency. Yeah. While inside the United States, it's really measured against the stuff you buy. Mm. So, uh, you know, whether it's transportation, gas, food at Whole Foods or uh, your, your insurance, your rent, stuff like that. So the dollar can go down in value against the stuff you buy daily, while at the same time, it's going up against the euro or up against the yen because those currencies are falling gotcha. at a faster rate. So it's, uh, you know, there's there's these, uh, that's why I think it's much easier if people look at those currencies, the dollar inside the United States and the dollar outside mm -hmm. as two completely separate forms Completely of entities. And I think that's yeah. great. Then that, that makes so much more sense now that there's like, you got kind of your domestic U.S. dollar. Yeah, there you go. And then you got your international U.S. You dollar. You got um, you So got George, the supply demand dynamics are different for both. Bam. Real okay. quick, George, do you believe in the New World Order? And if you do... How can someone kind of counteract this or like better themselves to like handle this pressure? Yeah, well, I believe that these global politicians and uh, we'll call them the global elite, you know, mm -hmm. the World Economic Forum, the UN, the IMF, uh, the, the Bill Gates, the Davos types. I believe that they have a specific objectives. Uh, they have a specific worldview <laughs> and uh, they are going to take advantage of any crisis that comes our way to try to further those objectives. Right. Mm. So I don't know that I'd go so far as to say they were behind something like, uh, we'll call it the beer bug, right? Uh, but when if we do have a, a beer bug, they're going to sit back and say, okay, how COVID can guys. we leverage this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. How can we leverage this to achieve those objectives? What are the three objectives? To decrease energy use. Food. To uh, decrease the population growth or the birth rate. And to usurp power, control, and wealth. You know, so if we have this global pandemic, okay, what can we do to achieve those objectives? Now we've got Russia invading Ukraine. So the global elite sit back and say, okay, well, what can we, how can we leverage this 
to achieve our objectives. And once you start looking at things through that lens, it makes a lot more sense. As an example, I'm sure all your viewers have seen just this massive push and propaganda mm -hmm. that we have in the Western media yeah. for the United States to get involved with the war in Russia. Yeah. Now, they haven't explicitly come out and said it. But when you look at everything that, you know, all the headlines, it's really that we've got good and evil and the United States at some point is going to need to get involved. Mm -hmm. OK, well, if the United States gets involved with Russia for the average citizen, that that's not good. Right. Right. But if you look at what wow. that what purpose that serves and what objectives that would achieve for the global elite. Well, let's think this through. If we have World War Three, right, if we have a nuclear war, let's just go there. Right. Wow. Is that going to reduce the amount of energy that people use? 100%. Is it going to reduce the population? 100%. Is it going to allow the global elite to usurp power and control? 100%. And is it going to take us to a central bank digital currency? 100%. Boom, there you go. And also, out of chaos comes order. Yeah. It, well, and, and out of chaos, a lot of times uh, comes a transition of power. Mm. And I think out of chaos, you know, if you're going to change the entire monetary system, to something like this central bank digital currency, you need chaos. Yeah. Uh, because the people are, aren't going, they're, they're if, if times it. are normal, then people aren't going to willingly just say, okay, let's ban cash and let's move to this central bank digital currency. But if there's a, a crisis and if it's for your safety, then we have willingly. to do this. We have to do this yeah. for national security. We have to have a central bank digital currency mm -hmm. or we have to do this because we're going into a financial crisis. You know, we're going into a recession. We're going into a depression. And if we don't uh, issue these stimulus checks, then it's going to be like the 1930s all over again. Well, what's the most efficient way to issue these checks? Well, we have to do it through a central bank digital currency. Yeah. We have to do it through FedCoin. And then all of a sudden, although, you know, this emergency action we look at it and we get emotional. I'm talking about the average Joe and Jane. Mm -hmm. What happens is two, three, five years later, we look back and say, oh, wait a minute. Look at how much power we just gave the government. Look Facts. at how much power we just gave the global elite. And it goes back to that, uh, that Kissinger quote, right? Look at what's happening right now or what's happened with the lockdowns and with the war. And then let's think this through, right? If you control the food supply, you control the people. We got food shortages. We got food prices mm -hmm. going up everywhere yep. around the world. Yep. Okay. The, the globally are definitely influencing that. Okay. Then let's say uh, the next step is if you control energy. All right. Well, what's happening right now? We have energy shortages. Yep. Because the war. That's right. What's happening is Europe is saying, okay, we're going to virtue signal and we're going to cut off Russian oil. We're going to cut <laughs> off yeah. natural gas. That's we're going to do all time. these things. Well, who is that hurting? That's hurting the citizens yeah. of Europe. It isn't really hurting Russia to a great degree because yeah. they can always sell that to uh, to China. Yeah. So it's hurting the German people. It's hurting the people of the Eurozone to a significant, especially the poor and middle class. I'll, I'll right? tell you this, George. And it's conditioning people mm -hmm. to do what? Use less energy, mm -hmm. which is their number one objective. Mm -hmm. You see? So you've got to start looking at the world through that lens. And then let's go to the last bit yeah. of the Kissinger quote. And right now we have an inversion of the yield curve. We have all, we had a negative GDP print for the first quarter right here in the United States. Mm. So we have all these signs that are signaling re recession. Plus you have the Fed raising interest rates. Plus you have the stock market crashing. You have crypto crashing. You have all these things. And then if the United States goes to war, 
you know, what do you think is going to happen to the stock market? Well, that's going to collapse. Therefore, the economy collapses. And then that's when they can institute that third leg of the stool, mm-hmm. which is implementing the central bank digital currency, which gives them control, not only of the food, not only of the energy, but now they have control of the money, money. as well. My only issue is once that happens, let's say, for example, things are good. But let's say they say, hey, you know what? Anyone that does this thing here, we're going to wipe your bank account. That's right. You can't do anything. So now you're broke because they did this. Well, that's what happens if they implement a central bank digital currency. And if they ban cash, mm. that's the end game. That's where this road leads. End of the world, guys. Yeah. You know? And, and, and well, Alex Jones predicted that, this too. It's not the end of the world, <laughs> but because I think, you know, we go through a fourth turning and I think people at, at the end of the day will, will revolt. And we, you know, listen, the, the good news is there's far more of us than there is of them. So if you look at how people have uh, created massive change in the past for the Mm. better, for freedom, liberty, and free market capitalism, it's people coming together. And you have a small group that turns into a big group that turns into a bigger group, and that affects change. So going back to the fall of the Soviet Union, how did that happen? It's just you got 10 people, then you got uh, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, and pretty much you have everyone out in the street calling for change and you know like in the case of romania mm-hmm. you go from having a dictator for 20 years 10 days later the guy's dead and he had the police he had the military he had all these things on his side but yet the people still prevailed so one of the reasons i'm so adamant about this message mm-hmm. is just to wake people up yeah you wake people up to the reality to what's happening in the world and therefore, we can come together as a group of individuals, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our cultural differences or our political views. We can come together as a group of people who value freedom, liberty, and free market capitalism, not only for us, but more importantly, for future generations. Mm. Bam. Well said. Um, so uh, real quick, I'll read the chats, and then I have a, definitely a comment on with the, with the energy thing as far as, like, Europe. Uh, Chris, what do we got here? And, guys, I hope you guys are enjoying this show, man. I was really looking forward to this man, thing. This is deep. Yeah, just bought stocks in Listerine. It's been up since Friday. <laughs> That's from Future. Five bucks. All right. Uh, Walmart Bros. GG, tell FNF to have Peter Schiff on the podcast. Stiff yeah. drinks will definitely be necessary. Long time GG, uh, CG subscriber. Or, no, GG subscriber. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Fresh, can you read that? We have here uh, Skid McMarks, 50 uh, bucks, says, Shout out to FNF from Sweden. Have you considered bringing Gavin McMins on the show? Saw a clip of him on your Reddit sub, and he seems to be popular. Not sure, sure who that yeah, is. I don't know who that is either. The solo one, 20 bucks, says, FNF been a big fan. I'm currently starting up two small businesses. I want to make sure my hygiene is on point when attending these meetings with clients. Do you all have a cologne you suggest? Um, I use Invictus, uh, Paco Rabanne. Mm-hmm. You can use... um. Got here as well. Those are some um, YSL. I will not tell you my cologne. Free YSL. Mine is secrets. Uh, um, Alpang, uh, seven bucks Canadian. Thank you so much. Uh, Alpang again, 14 bucks. Big shout out to all you guys from Toronto. Hey, Myron, I see one of Fresh's vlogs where you were still grinding on the boat. How do you stay focused among that lifestyle? Hey, also Terren, uh, Terra Luna. Hey, man, just the, the drive to win has got to be greater than the drive to want to have fun. 300 a show. Ethereum bought. There you go, man. Uh, two bucks. Last thoughts. What's up, George? How much buffer do you think legalizing cannabis federally, billions and cancellations of student debt would provide U.S.? That's a good question. We'll hold on to that one until later on. And then, guys, we'll probably do a short little Q&A at the end if we got some time, so don't worry. Uh, little Dark spent a whole M on my children. I was effed up getting meal plans. Lambo's dark, and it's still tense. Okay. Trump gammon, uh, gammon 2024. Five bucks from Rahul. 
Powell. Uh, Mike's world, why can't we audit the Fed and why does a private bank run our country? You guys are going to, he's going to explain that here in a second. And then Myron, the light skin Tupac, and that's five books from Dave Wright. All right. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate that. Chris, we caught up. Uh, then we have, let's see, a few more. A few more. Okay. I'll read these. Uh, we got, and we're going to talk about real estate as well. Last thoughts, five bucks. A Elon or Gates, one says we're not growing the population enough. The other says it's growing too fast. Which Elon's type of future correct. is ideal for society? Elon's correct. That's right. That we're not growing fast enough, right? We, we need we need more people, not less, because what Gates and the central planners uh, refuse to believe because they believe that they are superior mm -hmm. to other people. I, we can go into eugenics. That's kind of their background. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, my position is, yes, we have this problem with a, a shortage of energy if you have exponential population growth. Yeah. But if you have more, let's say we have 2 billion more people, that means yeah. 2 billion more scientists. Yeah, That means 2 billion more smart people yeah. that can solve that problem. Yeah. And Malthus started talking about this way back in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And every single time we have solved the problem through free market capitalism and the power of the people, mm -hmm. we just have to allow them to continue to solve these problems. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll take, we'll, they'll figure it out. They'll figure out how to use energy better. Yeah. Uh, but the people can do it. The central planners cannot. Gotcha. Mm. Um, all eyes on, uh, uh, okay. We got, um, all eyes on the 10 year yield. Okay. Like the goddamn video Ninja watcher. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, guys like the fucking video, bro. There's 3000 plus y'all in here, by the way. Uh, little dark goes five bucks. I'm gonna get this money till I die. D I E bring bottles to my section to my VIP. This guy's hilarious. More Gaddafi trying to change the currency. Two bucks from D nice. Last thoughts. I like Elon because you actually can see what he is doing and what that there's no political objective. He just does things in abundance and actually helps people. George, what are your thoughts? I think he likes Elon, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he's like everyone else. He has his good qualities and his bad qualities. Of course, no, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, Fire Ronan, I own two properties in Florida. What, should I sell one property to remain liquid in case of a recession? No, keep them both. Uh, don't sell. Zombie Man, I'm stationed in liquid in Japan. How can I start in real estate? I've been living overseas for three years, and it's a challenge making passive income. I do crypto and stocks, but the best money is in real estate. For sure, bro. Get someone to help you out with buying a property in, in Japan. Uh, sorry, in the United States. Can you get me, Kevin, for Money Mondays? Okay. Uh, hmm. I don't know who that is, but we'll oh, see. He's a YouTuber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's very popular. I'm good buddies with him, too. I can connect oh, you, you guys if you want. Okay, oh, yeah. let's do yeah, it. Cool. I'm really good friends with him. Let's do it. Um, and then Matthew, George, in a world where countries don't trust each other, financial systems like Russia getting kicked off Swift, would a decentralized crypto like Bitcoin make sense as a reserve currency? We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. And then last one here, M10 bucks. Get more like, uh, get more guys like George on the pod. Also, thank, thanks, Myron, for the hard truth, harsh truths. It's helped harsh talk. Sorry, it's helped me make great changes in my life. No worries, M. We got you. So, uh, George, and I want to say this real quick, and then we can get into uh, your um, the board yeah, here, which is fantastic. Applicable to what we've been talking. And he's about. gonna. A lot of you guys had questions about crypto and everything else like that. The board's gonna display here in a second. We got one more real quick. <laughs> Last one here. DLC. Respect to Brother Gammon. I discovered you on this platform. I've been hooked ever since. Keep leading from the front, gentlemen. That's what we're talking well, about, man. You. There you go. I watch George myself, man. So, guys, I'm, if I'm watching a man and you like the content, make sure you subscribe to him, like his videos, and check him out. Um, so, last thing I was going to say before we go into the board, because you mentioned the energy thing. Mm. So, I was talking to this girl from Spain, and um, she was telling me that she doesn't want to go back to Spain because uh, apparently electricity is extremely expensive she right. was saying she was paying like something like th three four hundred euros a month yeah. in electricity alone yeah. and i was like oh shit and and uh and then i didn't tell her i didn't say nothing i just kind of like kept it to myself but i thought to myself this is because of the war 
because well it's because of the government's response to the war exactly it's because they sanctioned, sanctioned. Russian, russia's energy yeah and if they're not taking if they're taking less of the energy that means prices go up because they have to have it because demand is very inelastic because and therefore then that hurts the poor and middle class because russia mm. is a huge exporter in um, in uh in natural gas yep and um and oil and oil there and, we go. And, and, lim and lumber and a lot of others yeah uh, but also you know they're a natural or a huge exporter of what fertilizer mm. and what do you need fertilizer for food so, food there you go. Yo, do you believe in on the monsanto conspiracy uh i don't i haven't looked into monsanto too much uh, fresh fresh on his conspiracy wave no, right you, now you man. Know, like, <laughs> it is heavily tied to finances and the government because if they control the money they got you. Yeah. If, yeah. They, if they control the food, you can't do anything. Oh, well, remember, yeah, it's food, energy, money. That's for sure. I have another one to add to that. Cameras. If they say everything that you do, you can't hide. Your phone is like a tracking device. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what happens is, you know, I, I don't know if this is conspiratorial, but, but again, this is, even if it's not, it's something that I believe the politicians and the global elite will try to take advantage of at some point in time. So now, uh, I mean, you, every single restaurant I go to, they don't even have a menu. Yeah. You, what do you have to do? You have to do you have to you scan have to have a QR code. So you literally have to have your phone pretty much to do anything in the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, think that one through. Uh, that means, can they track you without your phone? No. No. Can they track you with your phone? Yes, yeah. easily. I'm so thinking... we're, we're creating a society where we can't go anywhere with, with our, our phone. phone. Said another way, we're creating a society where we can't go anywhere without being tracked. I think the, the next step is the chip in your body to tell who you are. Let's say, for example, you don't have your phone on you. Yeah. At any time, they can identify, okay, this is John, John Schmo mm -hmm. from this address, this uh, uh, number for uh, SNN. Like, basically, you can track it from, like, without this, in your body. Yeah, and I mean, I was reading a story today online where MasterCard is coming out with this technology uh, that you can pay just through facial recognition. Oh, shit. So, there you go. so instead of taking your card and just like swiping it, you would just like look into the little scan eye scanner and that would charge your account just based on, uh, you know, your face. But, but again, the way we push back, it sounds crazy and it sounds antiquated, mm. but the way we push back against this is don't let them ban cash. Yeah. Don't let them ban cash because cash at the end of the day is what prevents them from doing all these things we're talking about. And cash, again, although it sounds old school, it's the way that you give power to the people because it's outside of the system. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what, you know, they want everything inside of the system. And I believe that's why they're going to push things more and more towards the central bank digital currency. Well yeah. said. So uh, do you want to go into, into that with the board right now? Yeah, sure. Explain it. So uh, can you kind of tell them what uh, is on display here? And we're going to break this down for y'all. Oh, yeah. uh, so we have, um, you, I'll, t I'll let you take it away, George, because I don't know what's on that board. Okay, great. Uh, uh, so you got a mic right uh, oh, yeah. below you. Yeah, grab that mic. And then. Um, you don't need the headphones. Oh, I don't. Does he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess if you're going to, for the explanation part, he, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You can take them off. Yeah. Because the explanation part. Yeah. Whiteboard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going wild. yeah, white, yeah. There we go. So we got the whiteboard here for y'all, um, and George is going to explain. So, uh, so the big thing here is we've got the Federal Reserve. Oh, hold on, let me turn. Turn that mic on. That's right, he's going to turn the mic on for you right now. Okay. Yeah, you got a house here, saying Fed. You got A L T L B R B R. 
I have no idea what that right, means. Now, now we're good, George. Okay. Okay. Is the mic on? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, yeah. cool. So right here, we've got the Federal Reserve, and they are the central bank. And then we also have just the, I put bank here, but this really represents the entire commercial banking system. Okay. All right. So the average Joe would just be the, the people like all of us, uh, the people on your live stream. Uh, they're the people that just have an account with Wells Fargo, Chase, mm -hmm. B of A, something like that. Yeah. So if they have, let's say, a thousand dollars, if you could their, just bring it closer to you, George. Yeah, yeah if they have a thousand dollars in their account, then they have a deposit at their local bank. Let's just say their checking account. That deposit is a liability of the bank. So this is their balance sheet. On the left, we've got assets. On the right, we've got liabilities. Okay. Now uh, that those dollars were lent into existence. So let's just assume the asset to match up those liabilities would be a loan. And then the liabilities would be the deposit, which is the asset or the dollars for the average Joe. That's the way the banking system is set up mm -hmm. with uh, someone's checking account. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now what happens is the Fed, they have assets and liabilities as well. Uh, let's say their assets are treasuries and then a loan. And then their liabilities would be something called bank reserves. And these are denominated in dollars. Those are the assets for the banks themselves, the mm -hmm. dollar assets, right? Mm -hmm. So if JP Morgan has a billion dollars yeah. on their balance sheet, where are they going to park the money? Well, their bank is the Federal Reserve. Yeah. So they're going to park those dollars at the Fed. So just like the average Joe's dollars are a liability of the commercial bank, the commercial bank's dollars are a liability of the Fed. Ah, uh, okay. okay. So Bank of America, Chase, all these big banks that people are using, Wells Fargo, et yeah. cetera, they're storing their money at the Fed. Correct. They're not actually keeping it at the bank. Correct. Well, okay. they, they, they can, but they, they store a large portion of it at the Federal Reserve. Okay. And we just call those bank. They're, they're dollar, but we just call them bank reserves uh, just to distinguish between the two sets of dollars. So what would happen with a central bank digital currency? And most people say, well, George, what's the big deal about a central bank digital currency? Because really, I haven't used cash and I use an ATM. Aren't currencies already digital? Yeah. What's what's the big deal? Yeah. This is the big deal. Uh, if you listen up, guys. Yeah. If in the future we you downloaded the Fed app, let's say, to get your stimulus check mm -hmm. and that gives <laughs> you well, what would that do? Well, that would give the average Joe an account. At the Fed. Yeah. Just like JP Morgan has yep. an account with the Fed. Yeah. So what happens if all the accounts with the commercial banks or the majority of them go over to the Fed, it completely changes the dynamic because they would ban cash and then the Fed could print these dollars. You know, uh, Fresh was asking me how much it costs them to create additional dollars. Mm -hmm. They literally just go to a computer and type them into their <laughs> screen. So oh, wow. let's just say that this average Joe, they wanted to give him $5,000 a month in stimulus checks. Mm -hmm. Well, they just go to his account and just add $5,000 <laughs> every single month. That's and then he crazy. would have that, that purchasing power. But And that sounds great. But here's the catch. They could take it away as well. Here's That's right. And so let's just say uh, that the average Joe needs to get a loan from the bank. Well, we've got to remember that the bank, the commercial bank, has something called a P&L or profit and loss. Mm -hmm. The Fed has no P&L. Oh. See, the Fed can just print <laughs> up these dollars at, at will. Any, at will. At yeah. will. And they, it doesn't matter if they lose money. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if they have negative equity. Yeah. They can just print more dollars and yeah. continue to print and print and print and print and print and print. It's it's limitless. 
because it's literally them just typing digits into a computer screen, right? Or into someone's account. And it's not regulated by any. And someone has super chatted this. Is, is this not regulated by anyone? Well, or? technically, it's supposed to be regulated by the Federal Reserve Act, but they completely ignore that. And that's why. So they got to regulate themselves? Yeah. So they <laughs> regulate themselves, basically. So if, uh, let's say in the future, you want to get a home loan, mm-hmm. instead of going to your local bank, you would have to go to Jerome Powell. Wow. Who's head of the, 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 the Federal Reserve. So, you know, why does that matter? Because a bank is going to look at the average Joe and they're going to look at his credit worthiness. They're going to look yep. at his credit score as an example. Yep. So if he has a 750 credit score, then there's a good chance that he gets this loan and he might get it at a, a little bit lower interest rate than someone who has a 650 credit score. But pretty much 100% of the decision is based on the average Joe's ability to pay back that loan. Yeah. Right. Why? Because they have to make money. They have to lend money productively or else they go broke. Mm -hmm. But the Fed can't go broke. They can print however much money they want. Yeah. So they can start issuing credit or loans to whomever they want, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not they can pay it back. So let's just say that's huge that they don't have a profit loss statement versus the regular bank does. Right. And you as well. Like when I buy a home. I had to send in my PLs. Every and and the thing is, if it's over a month, they want another PL. Yeah. Like they're really on top of it. Like, we need to know your private loss statements almost down to the goddamn week versus yeah. the Fed. They don't have any PLs, which is very telling. Right. So what this allows them to do effectively is instead of using uh, a credit score or your mm-hmm. credit worthiness to yeah. issue a loan or to determine your interest rate, they can just use your social score. You see, so let's say what's they don't so, like your podcast. What's the social score? So well, <laughs> let's, let's, right now. let's say they don't like yeah. your podcast because yeah. it's politically incorrect. Yeah. And oh. let's say, you know what? This is demeaning towards women. Uh, you guys are <laughs> you guys are dangerous. You guys are spreading disinformation. Masagi. Yeah. Masagi. And therefore, uh, we're going to notch down your uh, social score. You know, uh, Fresh, you started with a 10 social score, but now because of your podcast, you've got a five social score. Wow. So you're like, well, maybe oh. a seven. No one understands. Them. So then let's just say, <laughs> let's say that you're making a, negative a, three. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And you say, okay, well, I want to buy a house, mm. right? I want to buy something. I want to borrow some money or you want to buy a car or something like that. Well, instead of going to your bank now, because your account is with the Fed, you have to go to Jerome Powell and say, hey, I want to get this loan. And he looks at you and says, oh, wait a minute. No, your social score is only a five. And you say, yeah, but I'm making a lot of money. I can easily pay back the loan. So what? They don't care. No. Nope. So what? You're out of favor with the government. And a, a more realistic example would be like the truckers in Canada. Ah, uh, mm, okay. You see, so Trudeau <laughs> yeah. comes in and freezes their bank account. Well, just think how easy it would be for him to freeze their bank account if all of the accounts were held at the central bank. Wow. He would just have that on on a, on a switch. And then what he could do is he could also control the issuance of credit. So he could control who gets a loan, who does not get a loan, and at what interest rate they borrow the money. So this oh, gives shit. them complete oh, control over the money system, which goes back to Kissinger, which goes back to Machiavelli. So wow. this means that if you're not on a government side at any point in time, That's right. let's say, for example, you're on their bad side, they can just cut you off instantly. Like, for example, social media. Yeah. We're on YouTube, we're yeah. on Facebook, we're Instagram. Yeah, cancel you. If they say, hey, fake news or, oh, this is inappropriate content or on some level, harassment, bullying. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. So the social score now for the feds is, hey, I don't like you. You're against us. 
you're gone. Now, yeah. or if you George. say something against the government, let's just say like that, Trump. Like, yeah, let's Trump say you Trump. come out yeah. and say, well, and boy, those uh, those lockdowns, mm. th- those, those that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. They could just notch down your, wow. your your social score. Anything you say against the government, anything you say that is against the mainstream narrative, they would go ahead and or they could notch down your credit score, and you have no. Uh, you have no way to fight back. Doesn't China run something like this? Yeah, they're they're starting that right now. Yeah. Okay. So you have no way to fight back now. But if mm. if there was cash, you could fight back. You could fight back. Yeah. Right. Because then you'd have something outside of the banking system, the system. that they didn't control. But if they go to a central bank digital currency, you're screwed. If they ban cash, then you are at the complete mercy, mercy. of the government. And, so, and and another thing, you, they just wipe out your account. They could they could just erase all pers- purchasing power that you have, regardless of how much money you've made in the past or how much income you have coming in. So effectively, what they do is they control you. They control what you say. Yeah. They control every single thing that you do because you know that if you step out of line, you're done. Based on the mainstream narrative, you're not going to be able to put food on the table, even if you're a billionaire. Now I'm gonna add it wow. further. If they control the police system, the army, and you don't do what I say. Phew. Right. Well, look what they did back in 2020, 2021. They said, if you don't take the medicine, we'll call it, mm. then we're going to fire you. So what does that leave us with? Yeah. That le- The only people that are then in our police force that are then part of the firefighters or the military are people who obeyed the government. Yeah. So what does that mean moving forward? Is you have you you distill it down and you weed out all the people that would have been rebellious, rebellious. and said no, I'm not. I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to take it anymore. You have pushed government. You have pushed me too far. Yeah. So they've already got all those people out of the system, or at least I think that was probably their objective, objective. with or one of their objectives with the we'll call them the medicine mandates. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, people know what I'm talking about. You can, uh, oh, with the. Uh, We'll, we'll yeah, call yeah. it the, the stab, the jab, guys. Yeah, we're jab, talking about yeah. the jab with the knee, yeah. with the yeah. shots. Saying yeah. that yeah. the military, you have to get this or you're out. Yeah. You know, with the fire department, the police department. Yeah. You Government have to place. get this or you're out. Yep. So who who says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'd rather be fired. It's the people who have that rebellious streak. Mm-hmm. The people who are, are, are complacent and say, yeah, here's my arm. Go nuts. It, it's it's for the greater good. Yeah, those are the people that they want to keep in a position of power because they know that they can control them easier in the future, and they know that the way we fight back is if we stand together and push back, just like the truckers did. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. Powerful. So, um, so, someone asked a pretty good question as far as like, would Bitcoin be uh, a good? Would it take over as reserve currency in the future since it's not really tied to any one country? It. So it, it depends. If we have a total global collapse of the fiat monetary system, mm. then they're going to look for something else. They're going to look for something that they can uh, that can instill confidence. Yeah, I think right now that would probably be gold. Like okay. if it just, ha- I think it's again, this happens very slowly. But if it happened tomorrow, I think that global governments and people move to gold. Why? Because it's just historically proven. It's been there for five thousand years. People kind of intuitively understand it. Mm-hmm. Now you fast forward ten years. Silver? You think 50, silver would be maybe gold number or two? Oh, yeah, one is a precious metal. Okay, uh, but you fast forward ten years, fifteen years, maybe it's Bitcoin because by that time more people are accustomed to cryptocurrencies. More people are accustomed to using Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and uh, they get it. 
right now now you know, are you going the board by the way yeah yeah, yeah. okay all right. yeah so george just after your point so uh before my granddad passed right uh, he spoke about kind of like well i'm telling you now like behind the scenes because he's part of this, this group so to speak i want to say what it is but he's just saying basically like i should buy hard assets that, that like aren't affected by this whole type of like i want to say control uh power scale yeah so like real yeah. estate um tangible things i should buy in person not like anything digital because that can be tampered with that's right yeah you want something that's outside of the banking system right that's why people ask me for investment advice all the time mm -hmm. and you know i i think we're in a, a commodity super cycle i think yeah. we might have talked about that in our last show and i can go into that in greater detail to give some people's you know kind of what i'm doing with my own portfolio mm -hmm. but the very first thing that i say is you've got to have some purchasing power outside of the system so whether that's bitcoin that you actually hold on your own thumb drive not on coinbase yeah. right. or something you know or a physical gold and or physical gold uh whether you know watches are a great store of value that yeah. are outside of the system i like rolexes because they really really hold their value i like ap's oh there you go you know something that you could take that to uh you know let's just say that you were like okay i want to get the hell out of miami and I've got, I don't want anything to do with this social score. I don't want anything to do with the central bank digital currency. And they say, fine, fresh, but we're going to seize all of your assets. You, you go nuts because I've got $450,000 worth of watches that I can just throw into my travel bag mm. and I'm out. I'm in Argentina. Right. And that, that purchasing power, you could sell that watch and get probably just as much purchasing power in Argentina or in China or Singapore or wherever as you could right here in the United States. That is true freedom. Bam. But when you've got all of your, you know, say $505 million in a checking account or a money market fund, mm. now all of a sudden that's a liability of the bank. Right. And yeah. we know in, in the, we know what happened to the truckers. And we know what happened with the uh, Russian Central Bank. Mm -hmm. We froze their assets for heaven's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to learn the hard way. Yeah. They had to learn the hard way because they had most of their dollar assets on their balance sheet. I'm talking about Russia, mm -hmm. the whole country. Yep. You know, they had their dollar assets that were liabilities of a bank, and they saw how quickly the United States could seize those. So if they'll if they're willing to do it to the Russian Central Bank, you don't think they'd be willing to do it to you? Yep. And I tell you what, Russia is a real it, world superpower, too. Right. And that's one of the reasons why Russia has built up gold, so much gold reserve since 2014. Really? Because right? they got sanctioned in 2014. Yes. And when they, they looked uh, at that. And Crimea. They invaded right. Crimea. That's right. Yes. So if you look Ukraine. At, if you look at their central bank's balance sheet since 2014, their gold reserves have gone parabolic. Yeah. Why? Because they were prepared for this invasion. That, like they were they, prepared for the sanctions. They're ready. They're like, I know the U.S. and Western Europe is going to fuck with us. We're, it's cool. And they're building up the ruble. It's, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they kind of, I think, went through a lot of game theory to try to figure out what would happen and set themselves up. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that they're in a perfect position by any means. Yeah. And, and I'm not defending Russia. Yeah. I think I, I like, I dislike all governments equally. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I don't think that Ukraine is good and Russia is bad. I think russia's bad yeah. i think ukraine's bad yeah i think canada's bad i think australia's bad yeah us is bad they're they're all terrible and i stand yeah. up for the people mm -hmm. of ukraine i but i stand up for the people of russia mm -hmm. yeah just like i stand up for the people of germany yeah. and the people of the united states yeah it, it, it it's not a country versus country thing it's a people versus the government gotcha mm. okay well understandable, said. understandable understandable yeah because i mean when you go into this 
So I, I could see the danger now if you were to do a, a, a central uh, digital bank. Let, that would be let's be real here. Catastrophic. There's, there's an, a, an agenda going on, basically the government versus the people. And as a result, who, who has more control? And it's not just the government. You yeah. see, you got to look at the global elite because they heavily influence the governments themselves yeah. and the politicians. Yeah. So we're moving into this world where they're trying to set up these partnerships mm -hmm. globally between uh, the, the politicians, the elite, the governments, and the big corporations. Bohemian Grove. And this is just the definition of fascism. Yeah. It's the, and, and they're just taking it to a global level. And, uh, you know, the Davos types, the IMF. Can you tell people what fascism is? Because some people might not know. That. It's really where there's a partnership between the government and the corporations. Bam. So it's it's not that the government owns the corporation, mm -hmm. but they're, they're pulling friends. all the strings. They're friends. Yeah, they're they're pulling all the strings. Behind the scenes. And they, and they give them government-issued monopolies. And so in a free market, in free market capitalism, you wouldn't have all of this uh, corporate power because you'd have all of these uh, competitors that over time would come in and, uh, and, and, and break down that power, break down that monopoly. Yeah. But when you have big governments, then you have all these monopolies because those big corporations don't have to compete with their competitors to get market share. They can just get favors from the government. Wow. You see, and that's really where you go into this world of fascism. But I think the global elite want to do that at a larger scale, not just within countries. They want to have a one-world government for lack of a better term but one where there's no one that's elected one that's just the elite and they're the ones that are calling the shots and it's run through the un it's run through the world economic forum and it's run through the imf right so they're talking about having central bank digital currencies at local levels but the main digital currency they want mm. is the currency of the imf that's the digital sdr it's a special drawing right that's the money that the IMF creates. And what that, does the IMF stand for? The International Monetary Fund. Fund. Yeah. So what they want in their perfect world is that locally in the United States and all these other countries, they would have a local central bank digital currency. But the reserve asset of the central banks themselves mm -hmm. would be the digital SDR, which is controlled by the IMF. Okay, gotcha. Wow, okay. I'm not gonna lie, that was some legendary talk right there, bro. Yeah, man, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you guys whoa. are uh, enjoying that. That's a pretty okay. nice background right there, man. Okay. This is a high IQ conversation, very man. High, high IQ. Very, very high IQ conversation, yep. man. Um, all right, so I'll hit some of these chats real quick, and then we'll uh, we open it up for Q&A, right, with the people? You got some time. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, shout uh, Elon Musk. Uh, shout to Elon Musk. Elon Musk, a fraud, okay? And that's from uh, Myron Jr., and then last thought said shout to Elon Musk, so they can battle it out in the chat. Josh Smith, <laughs> or no, Mo Jr., Mo already has chips in his body. LMAO, love you, Mo, okay? What does George think about Bitcoin's potential use as currency like El Salvador and the Central African Republic? Well, it's tough because it, it's not really the state where you can use it for transactions. Mm. It's still kind of a digital asset. Yeah. So you, you might be able to get away with it there, although it's very expensive. Um, but for Bitcoin to be transactional, I, I think it's going to take some more tech. Okay. And, and I think we're, we'll get there. Um, but you know, when it, it when it gets there, then it's going to be competing with these currencies. Yeah. And then you've got that war between the people we're talking about, the central planners, let's say, mm -hmm. and the people who want a more decentralized approach. Yeah. OK. Uh, props to FNF for having this rational, educated brother on the show. I'm subbing a GG right now. Food, energy, money, women resist the slave mind. Guys, we got <laughs> you guys go. on all ends, bro. We, real talk, man. We teach you guys how to get in shape. Get your money on point. Prepare for any type of 
crazy crashes coming. Um, oh, I wanted to hit the real estate market too, yeah, uh, real yeah, quick. Uh, what's worse is that the U.S. government discourages people from carrying cash. Looking up civil asset forfeiture shows that carrying cash mm-hmm. means the government can take your money uh, without charging you with a crime. Yeah. Yes, if you yeah. if you don't report ten thousand or more in monetary instruments, yes, the government can uh, seize it from you. You know that's but you got to just declare it, guys. If you declare it, you're fine. Customs ain't gonna fuck with you. Uh, Orion Knights, the creature from Jekyll, Jekyll Island is a must read for everyone in this sphere. I'm sure Gammon is familiar with it. Yeah, the origins of the Fed. I actually spoke at G. Edward Griffin's uh, conference called the Red Pill Conference. Yeah, oh, wow. it's called Super Red Pill Book. Okay. Uh, Michael Mistro, get power, King Riches. Okay. When he's in States, for sure. Mm-hmm. By J- Jasmine. Uh, there are Sony's taken with association to all the mega banks in Japan. Did you know Sony has a bank? Nor did. Uh, nor did, but we are going to make it. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, how does real gold and silver stand up? That's two bucks from Blatant. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about precious metals here in a second. And then DLC, I really want to know. Brother Gammon, I'm watching the EDK, WTATA uh, curve very closely. LOL, thank you for forcing me to think. I hope you're, y'all are truly listening to this, brother. This is a big boy game right here. Resisting the slave mind in action. Shout out to Bro Tate. Yeah, shout out to you, my friend. Shout and then you. five bucks from Pat Sedman's Polish Passport. <laughs> <laughs> the social credit score reminded me of the Westworld season three. You guys are hilarious, bro. Uh, Jasmine is the Japanese Bitcoin. It is backed by Sony and all of their banks. Look up uh, MUFG and securitize and ties. money kit okay. at Sony. You will see. Okay. And then two bucks. Uh, M Gariza uh, just hanging out. And then last one, homie clicks at this point everywhere uh, you live is bad. Better off living off the grid. Fair enough. Yeah. That's 10 bucks yeah. from you. Um, so should people start uh, before we transition over into real estate? Should people start like just because I have some silver myself? I don't have any gold, but should people start you know trying to get gold bars or gold coins or? Yeah, I, mean, I can tell you what I do with my personal. Portfolio. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. I like to keep about ten percent in physical gold. Okay, and that's just a hedge. It's to have something outside of the system, and then about eighty percent in investments, which I define as things that pay me to own them. Okay, so I think commodity producers are great right now. Uh, I, I'm not adding. You get to dividends my back from yeah, exactly, from having them. Exactly, okay, like a rental property. Okay. Uh, and then the other 10% would just be speculative assets that really don't pay me to own them, but I think there's good asymmetry. A good example are these like right ETFs now. that you have, or uh, they can be, but okay. like uranium, I okay. think is a great speculation it, right now. Indexes and ETFs, uh, there's yeah, it's URA, I think is the main okay, but that's what you hold, and you just take the you, you, you make the money off the dividends or whatever. Well, so with the speculative assets, usually those don't pay you to own them. So there's no dividend or okay. anything like that. And actually, I, I, for, for, for me personally, I like the Sprott uh, tr- Uranium Trust because they actually hold the physical uranium. Oh, uh, okay. So if you hold a company, then you've got the counterparty risk of having a management team that doesn't do a good job. Yeah. Maybe they borrow too much money. Uh, you know, who knows what can happen in a business mm-hmm. where if you just buy uranium, then it's just a pure play. And so the Sprott Uranium Trusts, since they hold that physical uranium, mm-hmm. that's more of a pure play on the price of uranium. And that's what I'm extremely bullish on over the next, call it 10, 15 years. So it, it seems like um, it, w- when you're holding uh, a hard asset like that, you want to be as close as possible to actually controlling it. You don't want fucking bonds under that shit. You want the actual hold, uh, like the actual silver, the actual gold in your hand as close to it as you can. Yeah, because so that's insurance because that's outside of the, the system, banking system. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so real quick, we'll transition over to real estate. So uh, I, I'll tell you what, what what I've heard, and then you can give me your thoughts. From what I've heard, you know, we're, we're right around five to 5.5 million home shortage, you know, for the standard family home, which is a 3-2 here in the United States. 
Um, you know, interest rates are going up, but not too much. I mean, they're right now they're sitting at right about 6%. I closed on a house uh, like two weeks ago. I think we were able to get it to at a 5.75. I bought some points back and everything else like that. Um, some people are speculating that we're going to have, uh, you know, another 2008 crash. I don't, I mean, from what me, what I've seen and what I've looked at, I don't see, see it, see that. Um, and then I think inflation helps real estate, but uh, I want to get your thoughts on it as far as um, what you think, as far as what the, how the market is right now, and then what you predict in the future. Yeah. So with real estate, I think you've got to look at both sides of the equation. So okay. you were just talking about the supply side of the equation, yeah. uh, which it is true. It, it's at all time, pro probably close to all time low, especially with starter homes. Uh, but you can destroy demand to a point where nominal prices would still come down, even though we have incredibly low supply. Mm -hmm. It, I think it's just a matter of how high will the Fed raise rates? Okay. Right? Like you were just talking about getting a mortgage for 6%. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's still doable. But yeah. what happens if the Fed takes, you know, they're only at 75 basis points right now, mm -hmm. the Fed funds rate. Yeah. And let's say mortgage rates are at 6%. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, the bond market is predicting uh, the Fed will raise rates up to call it two, 2.5%. All right. So what are mortgage rates going to be then? Let's say mortgage rates are at eight, 9%. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that decreases significant amount of demand. Now you say, George, what does it matter? Because I'm locking in a 30 year fixed rate loan. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter too much to you, but it definitely matters to the future buyers that could be buying the house that you just purchased. You see, mm -hmm. so if, if, if your uh, mortgage payment that you can afford is $2,000 mm -hmm. and let's say mortgage rates go from 5% up to 10%. Yeah. Well, that means that uh, let's say that $2,000 mortgage at 5% could buy you, uh, I don't know, let's say a $500,000 home Yeah. at 10%. Now you can only afford to buy, let's say a $250,000 home. Mm -hmm. So that decreases aggregate demand significantly. Now, yeah. does that decrease demand to a point where it would go even lower than that supply equilibrium we were talking about earlier? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it would definitely put downward pressure on prices that would try to combat that upward pressure that we're getting from the supply side of the equation, inflation, commodity prices going up, mm -hmm. labor costs going yeah. up that all contribute to the price of a home. I think that... Um, the uh, starter homes yeah. are far more insulated than, yeah, they're safe. than the, or safer than the, For sure. the McMansions. Yeah. Because you 100%. can still build those McMansions and make a profit. You can't build a 1,500 square foot, three bed, two bath at a profit right now, yeah. pretty much anywhere in the United States. Agreed. Yes. So it, it's tough for more supply to come online. Now, there are variables there, yeah, right? Yeah. So I was interviewing a, a former fund manager who used to manage a $20 billion fund. Uh, his name is Alfonso. He goes by Macro Alf on, uh, okay. on Twitter. And uh, we were talking about BlackRock because, or Blackstone, excuse yeah. me, Blackstone. because you guys know that Blackstone has purchased a, a massive amount of these single family homes. Yeah. So Zillow if, too. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if we say, okay, well, what could change that supply side? What could change that dynamic to where we go from an undersupply potentially to an oversupply, or at least from an undersupply to a point where nominal prices would come down based on existing aggregate demand, right? And uh, we thought, well, they're holding all of these homes on their balance sheet because they're getting, let's say, a 5% yield. Mm -hmm. Well, there's some risk there. You've got tenants and toilets and all those other things that go along with, with rental properties. Yeah. 
if they could get a, let's say a five or 6% return on the 10 year treasury, there's no risk there for mm -hmm. them. So then what they're going to do most likely is they would sell all of their rental homes. They would take that cash and they would buy treasuries. So that is an environment where we could see a lot of supply come online. Mm -hmm. Another thing. Which would decrease the prices. Uh, yeah, or could yeah. at least put a, that's, a that's head what potential, yeah. Uh, another thing I saw in the news the other day is uh, uh, adjustable rate mortgages. Yes. Are becoming far more popular. Yes, they are. Because it gives people a way to af still afford that home they had their heart set on. Uh, a year ago when mortgage rates were 3%. Or yeah. And I honestly thought about doing an arm uh, and guys, an adjustable rate mortgage basically is it's a mortgage that you can, you can go ahead and lock it at a fixed rate at, you know, five, seven or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then after you're going to get like a balloon payment or some what, or, or the interest rate going to change, um, which, you know, you can go ahead and refinance before, but uh, a lot of people have been doing it with the interest rates going up. And I actually thought about doing that myself, but I said, you know what, I'm going to hold on to this thing long-term. So what I did instead was I bought points down, which is what I was explaining to you guys yesterday if you watched that real estate episode. But arms are very, very popular because a lot of people will buy it now, um, let it appreciate for Lock a bit, get some cash flow, and then sell it in that you know five, 10-year period or whatever it may be. If it appreciates. Yeah, if, if it, uh, well, yeah, if it, it, it should, it should, depending on the market, you know, where you are, you know, if you're like- Well, a you got to think like right now that, uh, it, so in 2006, I don't know that anyone would argue we were not in a bubble, especially hindsight being 2020. And uh, real estate prices adjusted for inflation are far higher today than they were in 2006. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, yeah so you got to ask yourself, uh, you know, when I look at an asset to purchase, I, I, the first thing I say, not, I don't ask myself, is the price going up or down? I, I don't really care about that. Mm -hmm. I just ask myself, is it cheap or is it expensive? If like it's that, cheap, yeah. I buy it. Yeah. If it's expensive, I sell it. Or I don't buy it, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any argument right now for real estate being cheap. There's mm -hmm. no way. If you look at a historical chart adjusted for inflation, it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. So there is a significant risk there. And especially sure. if you got now, I think if you're fixed rate and you've got good tenants, you got great positive cash flow, good location. You don't have a lot of risk because you don't have to sell. Even if prices went down mm -hmm. by fifty percent, you what do you care? Yeah. You're you're not selling. Yeah. So I could care less. Yeah. It's just like buying a McDonald's. You know, I always use that example. If I buy a McDonald's, uh, I'm buying it for that $200,000 a year of cash flow mm -hmm. that it's throwing off or, you know, a good recession proof business. Mm -hmm. If my broker comes to me two years after I buy the McDonald's mm -hmm. and says, George, I've got terrible news for you. Mm -hmm. If you sold your McDonald's today, you'd only get half of what you paid for it. Who cares? I, I, what? Yeah. I don't care. I'm making my 200 grand. I'm going to give this to my kids. I could care less. So where you really get in trouble is if you, if that, if rates go up significantly, because remember the Fed's trying to fight inflation. Yeah. And the way they do that is take rates up and up and up and up. And I think they'll continue to take them up until they break something. Mm -hmm. They mm. break something with the stock market. They break something with the housing market. They break something with the economy or all of the above. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that in five years, you, you, you get that adjustable rate mortgage right now at 4.5%. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the max you can pay. Okay. That's $2,000 a month. That's your, your limit. That's your budget. Mm -hmm. And let's just say that we go through significant inflation over the next five years. Well, remember first and foremost, that prices are going up faster than wages. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to decrease your purchasing power in and of itself. Mm -hmm this high rate of inflation. And then the Fed continues to raise rates in this environment. Therefore, when you refinance in five years, 
your monthly payment goes from $2,000 a month up to $3,000 a month. And you're already being squeezed through inflation, even if you have your job. So now all of a sudden you can't afford that mortgage payment anymore. And if we do have nominal prices go down, well, now all of a sudden you, you, you get in a position where we were prior to the GFC, where you have all this forced liquidation and you have a lot of supply come online and that brings down prices. Mm-hmm. And that just creates a, what we call a positive feedback loop. Yeah. So the more prices come down, the faster people want to sell. And the more that makes prices go down even further. Yeah. You see, so I'm not saying that's a prediction. I'm not saying that's going yeah, yeah, to Yeah, you're happen. just giving another scenario. But I'm just... saying that the more, the higher percentage of the overall mortgage market that's adjustable rate, the, the, the riskier the overall housing market yeah. is. And so I read a story the other day that uh, the uh, percentage of new mortgages that are adjustable rate have gone from like 3% up to like 11%. Oh, that's wow. actually really high. Wow. A huge increase. Now, that's normally only investors get arms, like regular yeah. people that are just trying to buy, buy and a house. Rehab and yeah, get yeah, they're getting they're, they're getting arms. So that that tells me and and they said that um refinances actually hit a peak last year as well. Yeah, uh, because of yeah, the low interest people rates. Are trying, and yeah. that's another thing too. So uh, you can if you were a seller, let's just say that the last year mm-hmm. you've been thinking about selling your home. Okay. Okay, well, you're paying attention to the real estate market. You're paying attention to mortgage rates. And you're saying to yourself, well, shoot, if mortgage rates continue to go up, that means my potential buyer is going to have less purchasing power to buy my house. So I better sell it right now. Hmm. You see, so you have what when interest rates go up, you're sucking all this demand from the future. Because if someone was on the fence about buying, I'm buying right now. You see, when rates start going up and then if someone's going to sell, well, I'm going to sell right now. Mm. So then what you have is this dynamic where uh, if at a certain point you suck all those buyers in from the future, but the amount of sellers is increasing by the day. And then that could that could lead to that uh, equilibrium yeah. or the, the supply imbalance that yeah. we have right now turning the other direction. And again, yeah. this is not a prediction. This is just trying to think through all the possibilities yeah. and trying to determine the probability of each one happening. Yep. So then you can make a better decision for your own personal situation. And we're all different. Yeah. So for some people buying a property right now at a 30 year fixed rate debt with good positive cash flow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For someone else, that let's say they had to do a cash out refi yeah. in two or three years, yep. regardless of the market. That might, it, let's say they're negative cash flow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Exactly. At all. And I think I think the biggest thing, because uh, those are really some fantastic points for the people, and the you know, because these are the risks that you come into with real estate, even uh, right now where you know it's it's a pretty good time to buy. I would say the way to mitigate those risks is buy properties, guys, that, you know, you, you're going to be able to rent out, you know, single family homes are very strong. They're easy to rent out. And Duplexes, triplexes, good, good neighborhoods. neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, <clears throat> make sure that you're getting a, a, a decent cash on cash return. Mm-hmm. If it's not cash flowing, do not buy. Cause I know some people, especially here in Miami recently have been buying simply for appreciation, mm-hmm. which I think is crazy. Huge, very dangerous damn. to do that. Huge mistake. So as long as you're buying it, it's cash flowing uh, a good amount, guys. And you're buying property that you'll be able to rent out to families, a single family home, the duplexes, the triplexes, you know, two to three bedrooms with two bathrooms. 
you're going to be in a pretty good position to mitigate some of that risk, I think. So, yeah. But yeah, buying like the mansions that you were mentioning, hell fucking no. No luxury real estate right or now, guys. Or negative cash flow yeah. in general. Just, just yeah. stay away from a negative hell cash no. flow yeah. property where you're just Agreed. playing the appreciation game, where yeah. it has to appreciate in order for you to make money. Yep. That's just a... That's a Recipe for disaster. Jim Rogers says it's a yeah. quick way to the poorhouse. Hell yeah, dude. So guys, that, that's how you're going to mitigate some of those risks, man. Because families is what you want to be able to provide housing for. And then also... Uh, if you're going to be commercial, just make sure that you get commercial uh, something that you'll be able to rent out. You know, keep in mind that a lot of people are working from home now. Office space might not be as lucrative as, as it used to be. So I know barbers are renting out like condos to do haircuts because oh, really? one, they could control the environment, and mm. two, it's cheaper than renting a, a probably unit. is cheaper yeah. than renting a chair at a, at a store. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you make, you make more money too, so it happens. Yeah. Yo, you guys are getting a lot of sauce today, man. Saucy. J, uh, JSMT is going to be the way the institutions enter the market through crypto. They're legally compliant, backed by FSA, Coinbase, Backstem, Jasmine. Okay. That's from Kevin Samuels, rest in power. And nobody's safe. Uh, two bucks. EC, how much percent, percent of gain on your crypto would you sell at? Is he asking me that? Well, yeah, I think we maybe address the crypto market next because okay, uh, we could do that. Yeah, Bitcoin being tied to the Nasdaq is is concerning for me right now, being a long term Bitcoin bill. Okay, bull, excuse me. I'll read the, these right now, and then we'll get into crypto. Um, and then I think are the minorities here yet or there? Okay, yeah. okay. <clears throat> sounds like well, you guys are. Every time you say that, it sounds like you're being wildly politically incorrect. Oh, the minorities. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, that's that's their name yeah. on YouTube. Just have to come up, bro. Oh, okay. uh, what percentage of crypto, real estate, and metals should one have in their portfolio? Okay, we'll answer that. And then uh, go to Smartman. Since the digital SDR is held by the IMF for all banks from every country. Mm -hmm. yeah. So logically, the IMF will be controlling the world finances. That's right. And then Jasmine is a token that is backed by Sony. You will not eat the bugs. You will own the land. You will be happy <laughs> only if you buy Jasmine. Thank me later. This guy's like over here pushing these these coins. Uh, all right. So, um, okay, we can hit the crypto. We'll transition over to crypto. Yeah. So what we've seen lately is, is crypto pretty much in general is behaving as a risk asset. Mm. And so we had this huge growth in the NASDAQ, so all those Kathy Wood stocks, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the tech stocks, those big names that everyone knows. So those were really going up. And then when the Fed came out in November of 2021 and even just yes. started talking about increasing I remember that, rates, that the NASDAQ I was in the middle of doing deals. I was in the middle of doing real estate deals and everyone started panicking in the housing market because we we're getting interest rates right around four. Or no, uh, right around like the threes. And then I remember because I was under contract for a couple of houses getting ready to close. And they're like, oh, interest rates are spiking, blah, 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 because the Fed made that announcement. I remember. Yeah, just when they make the announcement, because what happens is, is the Fed is saying that in the future, we're going to be buying fewer mortgage-backed securities. So if those mortgage-backed securities aren't going on to, or those mortgages, basically, mm -hmm. if they're not going on to the Fed's balance sheet, Remember, the Fed doesn't have a P&L, yeah. so they don't care what price yeah. they buy the mortgages. Yeah. But the banking system does have a P&L. So now if the banking system is absorbing all of those mortgages, they're, like, they're no. going to demand yeah. a higher interest rate yep. because they, they're taking, taking on, on higher risk. risk, especially if there's inflation risk. So that's why you see the Fed come out, and they didn't even raise rates at that time. Just talking about raising rates or, or decreasing the size of their balance sheet, going crazy. buying less, fewer mortgages made the interest rates on mortgages actually increase. But the NASDAQ started going down and it's gone down huge since that time. And it continues to go down every time the rate, uh, the Fed becomes quote unquote hawkish. It means they're you know talking about raising rates or get, being more aggressive in raising rates. The NASDAQ is continually under pressure. We've seen the ARC fund, you know, that Kathy Woods fund that holds a lot of those tech names. I mean, it's down 
I don't know, from its all-time high, like 70%. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, what we've seen, and I say unfortunately, because long-term, I'm bullish on Bitcoin. And I think it's something that everyone should have uh, to have some purchasing power outside of the banking system. I think that's the, regardless of the price, I think that's the number one reason to, to hold some. But uh, we've seen that Bitcoin has traded right alongside the NASDAQ. So That's every scary. single day, scary. NASDAQ goes down, Bitcoin goes yeah, down. Yeah, it's every down single... around, let me look right now. Yeah, it's probably under 30,000. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Like... Isn't that scary, though, to know that it's tied to the... Yeah, because you want to own, own, own Bitcoin as a non-correlated asset. Mm-hmm. You don't want to own just a leverage play on the NASDAQ. Which 30, is what, right now. Which is what Bitcoin's doing. 30, so 30K. As, as someone who, who likes it long-term... Uh, I'm not adding to my position until a time where I see it trade, uh, where it doesn't trade in lockstep with the NASDAQ, where it is truly a non-correlated asset. And I think that if the Fed continues to raise rates, raise rates, raise rates to try to break something to bring down inflation, which I think is their game plan, Mm -hmm. you're going to see continued pressure, not only on the NASDAQ, but cryptocurrency. Is Ethereum Mm -hmm. also... Uh, it's tightly. A, yeah, it's, it's the, the same thing. It's yeah. just it's just trading as a risk asset. So and then we just saw the the crypto blow up the other day with Luna mm-hmm. and with Terra. You know, it's yeah. quote unquote a stable coin. Yeah. That basically went. I don't know what it's a, a value. I don't have was those two coins, ago. but they, what, it they went, went to zero. <laughs> what the zero? Zero. Oh shit! I didn't even see because I only Completely hold really blew up Bitcoin and, and uh, K- KSI. The YouTuber lost millions, um, in, in crypto. And, and wow. it was Luna, and it was well, you don't uh, lose until you sell, Terra, right? the, the stable coin, or if it goes to zero, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you just don't have a bid, <laughs> and so that then you lose a lot too. But yeah, so uh, that that was expected though. When, when you have uh, what I call hysteria in the market, and mm-hmm. everyone's buying, buying, the price is always going up and up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. You can get away with some of these uh, stable coins that might not be that great. You know, everyone's making money, but what happens, like Warren Buffett said is when the tide goes out, you can see who's swimming naked. Swimming naked. And it's the same thing with these these <laughs> cryptocurrencies, and it's the same like thing that. with the NASDAQ stock. So again, if you're bullish on crypto, um, I think that's great, but I don't know that now's the time to add to your position. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm just waiting until they decouple from the NASDAQ and start trading independently, uh, like gold as an example, yeah. and then wait till we get some panic in the market. Yeah. You know, like Michael Saylor, I, I've always said, once Michael Saylor starts to sell, then I'll really, really think about adding to my position. What's Michael Saylor? He's the guy that owns uh, MicroStrategies, I believe is his company's name, who really started to just borrow all of this money to buy Bitcoin. Mm. So he pretty much tra- t- took his tech company and turned it into a Bitcoin ETF. Gotcha. Wow. And so he's just the bull of all bulls when it comes to Bitcoin. So when he starts to sell, you know, okay, that means there's panic in the market. Yeah. I want to buy. And I'll tell you this too with, with cryptocurrency. And I've always said this to, to the guys out there. Um, you, you never want your your whole, you know, wealth portfolio to consist of, of too much crypto. You know, if you keep it, you know, they, you know, financial people say, you know, 3%, whatever. I say as high as up to 10% at the most. But I know people that are like All 70, the way in. 80% in, in Yo, cryptocurrency. I know people that have no cash, no type of reserves, only crypto. I'm like, bro, that's scary. Yeah, it's crazy yeah, way to live life, there. It is. Like, it is. And know, I think, right, you know, we're sitting here talking about how basically the dollar is, is, is trash and whatnot. It's, you know, losing value to... Uh, goods and services. But right now in my personal portfolio, I have a bigger percentage of cash than I've ever had. Mm. And the reason is because I'm not going to use that cash to buy 
food. I'm not going to use that cash to buy insurance or transportation or gas. I want to use that cash to buy assets. And mm-hmm. I think that assets such as stocks, maybe even commodities or maybe in crypto will be going down over the summer because yeah. of the Fed raising rates Agreed. and all these things yeah. we talked about. And therefore, I want to have a higher cash position so I can take advantage of those opportunities when they actually do get cheap. Gotcha. So that's, you wouldn't say smart. right now it's it's it, crypto right now is cheap for real because it's still tightly wound to the NASDAQ. Well, it's never been cheap because you don't have a way of measuring its value. Okay. Right. It's not like oil, like oil is an example. You can determine you, you can look at a historical chart yeah, and know. see okay. adjusted for inflation when it gets cheap. And that's usually under 30 bucks. And when it gets expensive. Barrel, right. Yeah. OK. Usually over 80 or 85. Same thing with the housing market. You know, I've got charts that go back to 1900 mm-hmm. with the U.S. housing market adjusted for inflation. Oh, so, or is it based off like the standard home three, two? Yeah. It, yeah. And it's adjusted for size. So okay. It was uh, Robert Schiller. I think is it's pretty much the underlying data comes from Schiller. Yeah. But uh, you see when it gets expensive and mm-hmm. when it gets cheap and you can tell that it, it kind of reverts back to the mean, which makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, it should be based on average interest rates and income. Yeah. Right. The price of homes. Yeah. I think the median three two right now in the United States is somewhere around 300 K. Yeah, so you'd have to see where it should be adjusted Which for inflation. Which is up significantly from where it was before. Yeah, I mean, it before. would be even higher than it was in 2006. Yeah. But what's really weird about the real estate market is uh, it can go down in real terms and it can go up in nominal terms. So as an example, let's say those that house that you just bought, mm-hmm. it can appreciate by 5% mm-hmm. every single year for the next 10 years mm-hmm. and you can still lose money. Yeah. How? Because if the rate of inflation yeah. goes up by 10% per year, then that's a negative 5%. So you're actually losing 5% of your purchasing power compounded year after year after year because the price appreciation of your home isn't keeping up with the rate of inflation. So if you look at my chart, like I was saying, go back but to But I leveraged it though. I only put 20% down. Yeah. So if you only put 20% down, that, that's a great point. That's, that's So that's I leveraged point. it. So that's how I made sure to, because because I saw this coming. I was like, let me make sure that I uh, that I beat the inflation. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do it with the leverage. So I only put 20% of my own money in, uh, which I think came out all, all in. It was like 209,000. Yeah. So so that's that, that's why. But yeah, I agree with you. If I had put more money down, <laughs> oh, Lord, that would have been bad. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah. So there's a balancing act there, yeah. too, because you want to have a, a conservative LTV for sure. In case you yes. do go through a recession and you have to go through a few months where you don't have a renter, you know, to cover that mortgage payment. So I, I think, again, it's different for every person. Uh, you know, someone like you, you've got a consistent form of, of income outside yeah. of those rental properties yes. that should be rather recession proof. I'm talking about this podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but for other people, you know, they might have Agreed. a construction job as an example. Agreed. So if yeah. you've got a construction job and that's your only form of payment to make that mortgage other than the renter, you want to be conservative be with that LTV on the loan for yeah. sure. No, absolutely. Mm. You don't want to over leverage. Yeah. Well said. Um, what else here? Uh, we got Chris. some more chats here. Okay. Um, past Edmonds, Polish passport, 20 bucks. Are real estate investors pricing demographic trends? It worries me to pay current prices while I see headlines about crashing birth rates worldwide and the oldest baby boomers reaching age uh, of mortality for the next two decades. Uh, pricing demographic, he said, what? demographic trends? 
Yeah. So demographic, if we have uh, fewer young people, you know, that's very, the more young people you have, the more bullish it is for the housing market, because yeah. those are kids who will in the next five or 10 years start forming families. Yeah. And that's usually the number one catalyst to buying your first home. Yeah. yeah. So if you have fewer and fewer kids as a percentage of the population, that would be a headwind for real estate, mm -hmm. but, and more people passing away, obviously, you know, that, creates more supply. Yeah. Uh, but if you have more kids that are going into those years where they're going to be buying a house, then that would be bullish. Yeah. Well, millennials rent too. So that's another, that's another good, well, it depends on what your goal is. Are you trying to sell homes or are you trying to rent? Like if you're trying to buy and hold like me and rent, fantastic. You know, people are always going to want to rent. Uh, but it depends on what your goal is. Uh, and that's the thing with real estate. It depends. So many different people. You got your buyers and flippers. You got your construction people. You got your rehab people. You got all that. Uh, where can we buy pressed metals? Y'all are goats. Thank you so much. And that's from Zombie Man. Where, where can they get metals and uh, you think it's safe to get, George? Um, well, just buying the physical. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I love Lynette Zhang. She's a good friend of mine. Lynette Peter Zang? Schiff is a good friend of mine. Okay. They sell uh, hard metals? Well, Lynette does. And Lynette. Peter, I, I don't know if he's, he still owns his company or not. I, th I think he does. How do they get a hold of Lynette? But, or SD Boyne, I know, is one that's very popular. But uh, Lynette, her company, well, I've got her pen right here. It's ITM Trading. And uh, she's just a great friend, but she okay. has a very uh, white glove type of service. So there's a, a bit of a premium there that you uh, pay above spot. Okay. Uh, but uh, for those people who just don't know, you know, they just want something tailor made to their personal uh, uh, balance sheet or their, okay. uh, you know, personal objectives, then that would be a great way She'll to go. She'll get you gold it, however you want it, whether it's a bar, coins, whatever. Yeah, she but what they'll do is they'll set up a, a kind of a, a consultation where they try to figure out what your objectives are personally, where other companies might sell it a little bit cheaper, mm -hmm. a little bit less uh, spread on spot, but yet they don't do any of that white glove stuff. They're just like, here, here's here's the gold bar. Here's the gold, asshole. Go. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> it all depends what you want. You know. Okay. okay. Ask this every time, but what do you think about Cardano? Uh, that's 20 bucks from Keem Chillin. I mean, guys, you could get whatever crypto you want. Cardano, a lot of people have it, but my biggest thing is like, just don't, you know, go too crazy into the crypto where if, if it, like you should be calm, right? Like right now, I know the crypto markets are crashing. People ask me, what are your thoughts on crypto? I'm like, oh, I'm good, bro. I don't care. Cause I, I, I got in early. I bought it at a good price. Even now I'm still up, even though the money's down and I don't have a bunch of my network tied up in it. So I'm okay. Yeah. Also the money you put in crypto should money that you don't need right now. There you go. So regardless of the fact of it going down or up, it should not affect you because is money you don't need right now. Yeah, Perfect that's the point. speculative portion of your balance of your uh, of your portfolio. That's why I was saying you know you got ten percent in physical gold. That's yeah. insurance. Okay. Mm -hmm. You got the eighty percent in investments that has to pay you to own it, and okay. then only ten percent of that portfolio is in speculative assets such as cryptocurrency or uranium, something like that. And so that's how I kind of set things up and see that that the, one of the that's main a fantastic. Reasons, can you repeat that real quick for the? I don't think the people understood like. That's a really good breakdown of how you keep your portfolio. Can you break that down for them one more time? Sure, sure. Pay attention, we, guys. We've got 10%, which I would define as uh, insurance. So that would be physical gold. Yep, or silver or... Yeah, physical, mostly physical gold. Okay. And then we've got 80%, which I would define as an investment or investments. Okay. And that has to be something that pays you to own it. That's just my personal definition. That pays you monthly, recurring? It just pays you to own it, whether it's dividends, whether it's a, like a coal producer that pays you a 10% dividend, okay. whether it's an oil producer, whether it's but a, it pay, a REIT, It actively uh, pays you. It's not just appreciating, it's paying you to. That's right. It's okay. paying you to own it. Okay, perfect. And then we've got 10% of the portfolio, which would be allocated to speculations. Now, okay. th those are assets that you think there's good asymmetry. 
okay. but they don't pay you to own them. So Cardano or Bitcoin or uh, uh, uranium, yeah. you know, these are things that do not pay you to own them. Yeah. Unless you stake your stuff, but eh, do you yeah, really want to? Yeah. And then you, th you say, okay, but I think that long term there's some, uh, there's a benefit to, there's a good cost, a risk reward. Yeah. Then you go ahead and buy it, but that's a small portion of your portfolio. And you got to go back to the 80%. And one of the main reasons I like such a large percentage of the portfolio to pay you to own it, because it really hedges out a lot of your downside. Uh, so let's just say that you got these wildly volatile speculations, right? Yeah. Well, if they go down by 50%, you have no problem in holding them long-term because you have so much cash flow coming in Damn. from the rest of your portfolio to offset that position. So it puts you in a mindset where you're not doing things emotionally. Yes. You're not being reactionary. Yes. You're being very prudent and disciplined. And that's a huge edge. Yeah. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, that's why I'm kind of at myself right now. You know, we got the podcast, I got my real estate stuff, whatever it may be. Uh, and that's the, important, the power of having like a business guys, you know, because it helps yeah. you generate income so that you can put it more into your assets that pay you back. You're taking or, earned income. And you can contrast, you can contrast your, your mental well-being or the, uh, or how efficient your decision-making process is or how rational your decision-making process is mm -hmm. with your portfolio of real estate that's paying you to own it with yep. a little bit of crypto. Mm -hmm. And you contrast that to if you had 100% crypto. Oh, God, yeah. You'd, you'd be you'd making be, horrible decisions may, yeah. right now. People freaking out. Because you'd be an emotional wreck yeah. because you've got 100% of your net worth in crypto. Yeah. And so th that's why I think... Yes, it's it's great to have some at play there because there's good asymmetry, yeah. but you've got to be intelligent about your the composition of your portfolio. Yeah, I think and I think that's the most important thing. It's got to you got to have a good a good uh diversified portfolio from a composition standpoint where the volatile things aren't the majority of your wealth. I know a lot of yeah. guys that make yeah. a lot of money, but their investments are volatile in crypto, stock market, whatever else they have, you know, individual stocks. You know, buying AMC and all this other stupid shit. And it's like, bro, you're going to always, your butthole's always going to be clenched because you're going to be nervous. All yeah. Time. Another great thing about having all that cash flow yeah. is it never puts you in a position of having to sell. Bam. Never. That's that, that right there is a big key. Cause when you're like, you want to buy and hold, man, to really uh, uh, enjoy the, the fruits of your investments, man. You want to buy and hold. And like selling is, I mean, unless like it's really worth it, but I agree. I yeah. think buying and holding one of the, is one of, the, one of the best ways to make money in real estate is to find a motivated seller. Yeah. You hear that term all the time, a of motivated course. seller. Yeah. yeah, That's basically someone that can't make their mortgage payments and they're scared S-less, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they, they're just looking to sell immediately yeah. and you just happen to be there uh, yep. standing there with a bunch of cash. You yep. can pretty much name your price. Yep. That's where you make money on the buy side. So the moral of the story is you never want to put yourself in the position of being a motivated seller. Yeah. Bam. You want to take advantage Fantastic of the motivated point. sellers. And if you have positive cash flow, if you have all that cash flow coming in from the 80% of your portfolio, you're never going to be forced to sell any of those assets and you're going to always have that leverage and you're going to be the one calling the shots. And that, my friends, is the secret. And I'm going to definitely, uh, I'm going to start getting some gold. Because I, I mean, I have silver. I don't have any gold. Um, and I like that idea of 10% of, uh, of your portfolio insurance. being insurance proof. That's really fantastic. That's that's a huge That's takeaway yeah, right and there. And physical, George. so it's outside of the banking system. Bam. Important. Love that. Uh, okay. Um, anything else here, Chris? Okay. Why do Coca-Cola stocks stay at 60 bucks? Don't know that. Well, sure. because probably because they pay a good dividend. And when you get increasing uh, interest rates, you get capital flows from high growth stocks to value stocks. Mm. So that's why you've seen the NASDAQ go down a lot more than the, the Dow or the S&P. Okay. Uh, George, thoughts on ENS domains and why do we let a private bank run our country? 
Well, I don't know what an ENS domain is, but uh, as far as a private bank run our country, uh, well, uh, this is the third central bank we've had. And the, uh, our former American citizens, I think, understood the, uh, the dangers of a central bank. And uh, they got rid of them very quickly. But in 1913, uh, this central bank came about. And um, I think we've become more and more addicted on the central planning and uh, to the detriment of the poor and middle class. But, uh, you know, if it were up to me, I, I would get rid of the central bank as quickly as possible. Uh, I don't know why they still exist, I think, because it's just, uh, you know, one of those things that people now are under the impression that we have to have one. The free market can't work by itself. We can't determine interest rates on our own. Mm -hmm. We need some sort of, uh, you know, we need these interest rates brought down off Mount Sinai written in stone from all these people who aren't elected. Mm. And uh, I don't agree with that. And yeah. uh, But I don't know why exactly we still have a Federal Reserve. Yeah. Okay. Uh, George, what country is giving you the best yield in your real estate portfolio? Well, Columbia. 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 I, you own yeah, properties down there, right? A lot. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just sold my last property here in the United States. I bought okay. the majority of my real estate portfolio in 2012. Okay. And I just sold the last property probably a couple months ago. So really? I no longer have property here in the U.S. Is, is, is Columbia just like way better as far as? Like... Uh, well, I've got a big edge there. Okay. Because the, it's a very inefficient market. So I can take advantage of those motivated sellers. Ah, <laughs> okay. And there's not much liquidity. Gotcha, that is, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And they don't have, uh, well, mortgages are much more difficult to get down there. As an American citizen, huh? Anybody, even Columbia. Okay. I'm surprised that you're even able to, they let American citizens buy property down oh, there? Oh, yeah. It's just like the U.S. Any foreigner can buy real okay. estate. And you have the same property rights. Okay. But because uh, it's harder to get a mortgage down there, you have a lot less liquidity. So if you do have someone that has to sell, they can't just put it on the MLS and sell it in two or three days. Uh, it takes them maybe six months or a year to find a buyer. And if they desperately need cash and you're the only guy sitting there with money, you can pretty much name your price. So that's why I'm able to make so much money in Colombia, wow. even on the ROI, even without using debt, uh, because you can buy it you know, sometimes what, 30, 40 cents. If, if you don't dollar. mind me asking, what, what, are we, what are we talking as far as like cash on cash returns percentage wise? What are you averaging? A lot because uh, over, you know, over well, 10, as far as over just, 15? As far as just cash on cash. Yeah, just cash on cash. Yeah, um, you know, 12, 14%, that's pretty something like good. that. That's uh, pretty but good. then when you look at the forced depreciation, through buying at a discount and then doing a remodel, which I have my team do on all of them. Oh. You know, you're making a <laughs> lot more money th than that, okay. even if prices stay the same, okay. because you're buying at such a steep you're discount. Buying it, you're buying it cheap as hell, fixing it even at a discounted which rate. Which adds even more equity. It adds and equity even to the market home. prices, even if they don't change, you know, you're in it for 20 cents and now it's worth a dollar and you're renting it out at a 12 or 14% cash on cash return. Damn. Buyer. Fantastic. Need to go to Columbia. Yeah, I guess uh, I need to buy some property in Colombia now. Uh, <laughs> should I claim my crypto trades for 2021 taxes? That's two bucks from Mario Valdez. Uh, thoughts on Cardano, ADA, long-term. Uh, really, uh, we already talked about Cardano. George Gammon, uh, I know you be seeing Volt, INU on Twitter, making noise. Currently 24 exchange, exchanges under five months uh, since the April 16 migration. Probably nothing. Okay. Uh, and, then, and that's from Homie Clicks. And then Jay... JDS 10x high F and F, Mr. Gaming Wire stocks, crypto, and precious metals all down. What is good hedge investment? Fed, now? Fed's raising interest rates. Easy. That's why. Um, but he just told you guys what a good hedge is. Gold is a good hedge. 
Um, is starting an investment partnership a good idea with the current state of our economy? It depends on what you're trying to invest, bro. Uh, 20 bucks in Obanaga. I usually get gold bars from APMX. At least check it out and get an idea of the type of gold you can buy at the very least. Okay, I've never heard of them. Have you heard of them, George? No. Uh-uh. Never? Okay. Does he know the connection between... Oh, and that was from... Uh, who was this Nobunaga? Uh, no, read that one. Uh, Kevin Samuels, rest of power. All right. Thanks, bro, for donation. Uh, five bucks from Cesar Romero. Does he know about the connection between Fed and the Bank of International Settlements going to Vatican? Vatican. Uh, of the Vatican? Vatican? Yeah. No, I don't... I haven't gone down that path. Uh, no. I'll well, basically, the answer. There, there's a agenda, basically, where religion, government, the elites and the army all coming together to like work towards this global agenda. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything that we were talking about as far as uh, Machiavelli and Malthus and the world economic forum and the club of Rome, this is what they've explicitly said. So I'm not taking anything and just trying to uh, decipher, you know, what they're implying. I'm just taking what they're just coming out and saying in yep. their own blog posts, on their own YouTube videos. Like Klaus Schwab is an example. I've got YouTube videos of him being interviewed saying that the greatest influence on his life was Henry Kissinger. Mm. He's, he's saying that. So I, I think what I try to stick with, not that any of this other stuff isn't legitimate, but I try to stick with the stuff that they are just outright right, coming saying. out and saying. Yeah. And then trying to put the pieces uh, of the puzzle together. together. Bam. Mm. All right. And then... uh and then uh, last two here. The government does not like stable coins. The recent Terra Luna UST crash was a collaboration between BlackRock and the U.S. government right around the time they're talking regulation coincidence, potentially. Uh, 20 bucks from Kemp King. Can y'all man a video on how, I think it means make, a video on how to stake your coin because it's hard trying to find video on YouTube on how to stake. I did some staking uh, as well with it. Hex. Um, it's not hard to do. Just you got to have the right setup and right team. But yeah, it's good, man. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, Fresh will do a video for you guys because I think Fresh, you, you, you stake Hex, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, guys, um, without, <clears throat> uh, so George, where can the people find you, man? Just at my YouTube channel. It's just George Gammon. Mm-hmm. Last name is G-A-M-M-O-N. I've got that channel. I've got a smaller channel where I just do live streams. It's called the Rebel Capitalist. Uh, we've got an investment conference coming up that I'm super excited about. It's here in Miami. Okay. Uh, June 24th to the 26th. All right, pop Where in. we've got 12, 13 speakers like uh, Doug Casey, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, we've got Jeff Snyder. We've got Joseph Wang, who actually used to work at the Fed. Mm. And now he's, uh, you know, he was on the dark side. Now he's <laughs> <laughs> on the good side. Yeah. 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 So I'll have you back on in June then when you're here. Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. I'd love to have you guys come to the conference. Yeah. But we'll come by. Uh, I'm down. If you want to check it out, it's uh, rebelcapitalistlive.com is where they can see it. Actually, I think you were there at our first one. Yeah, with Robert. With, with Kiyosaki. And, and uh, Rolo Smazzi. And Rolo, yeah, he's in yeah. the green room there. So That's it's cool. a great setup. If anyone's interested in you know becoming a better investor, protecting their assets, learning about crypto, gold, all the things that we were talking about, mm-hmm. and a lot of the freedom and liberty stuff as well, there's going to be a fantastic conference for them. Bam. Guys, go over there. Get your money up. Go support George, man. Damn broke is unacceptable. Go check out George <laughs> Gammon, guys. His content is fantastic. I'm subscribed to the channel. I watch him. Uh, great stuff. We talked about so many things: reserve currency, petrodollar, crypto, real estate, real estate. Uh, we talked about NWO, NWO, conspiracy theories, everything else like that. <laughs> the man. truth. Check him out, guys, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Especially go to subscribe to his channel. His links are all below. Uh, George, any last words for the people? Uh, no, the minorities are here. Bam! They're here. They are. I never thought I'd be able to say that on YouTube. You know who this guy is? <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you back in a bit. Man. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll catch you guys. Peace. Peace.